And she said, this is when you need to ask for help. And it's like, but not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I, I got other stuff to do, okay? Yeah, I'm busy, but maybe somebody else. I don't know. Ask Shannon. I hear she's not doing much. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The Hundred Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My favorite Pixar film is The Incredibles. And my name is Brittany Ray, and I'm a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. I'm on Twitter at Abertania, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And my favorite Pixar film is Monsters, Inc. And we are so excited to announce that our guest for this week is Selena again! Surprise! (laughs) Uh, Selena, we heard from you last week, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself again, just in case anyone forgot. I'm back. Hi, guys. I'm Selena. I'm. Uh, it's hard to get rid of me <laughs> once <laughs> I join. Um, I my name is Selena, and I am from Denmark. And I work on Hypable.com, which is H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com, which is an entertainment website. And I also run our uh, general entertainment podcast, which is Hype. And I cover the hundred, etc is usually how I like to describe (laughs) what I do, because let's be real. Um, And uh, my favorite Pixar film is Up, which is amazing and beautiful. And like we were saying before the show, has a a little connection to loss in Michael Giacchino, who is amazing and writes fantastic music. And yeah. Like you think about Lost and you think about Up and you're like, those two things have such iconic soundtracks. It's got to be Giacchino. Mm-hmm. And they make you cry. <laughs> yep. That too. Yep. I don't have any corrections for this episode because I didn't uh, listen to another episode and think, Robin, you said a dumb thing. <laughs> so if anyone else is like, Robin, you said a dumb thing. Or oh, I can if people that. are like, hey, I thought of some more black and white or dark and light things that you missed or whatever. Let us know. But otherwise, we're just going to assume we're perfect. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm just going off okay. that assumption now. Today, we have words to say about episode 112 of Lost, whatever the case may be. So whatever the case may be, there's not a whole lot to say about the episode title. Just the fact that it's a pun yeah. uh, based <laughs> on case, which is like the Halliburton case, as well as case. We're trying to figure out Kate's whole case and everything. I don't know. Yeah. A bunch of stuff like that. The broadcast date was January 5th, 2005. It was written by Damon Lindelof and Jennifer Johnson and directed by Jack Bender. And fun fact, this is uh, when after this episode is when JJ stops helping out with show running and starts moving on to doing other things. This mm-hmm. early? Yeah, I think he had to do like Mission Impossible 3 or something. Oh yeah, that yeah, was definitely this was worth it. When Damon was running around and thinking about quitting and running away and being terrified. And, yeah. Oh. oh my goodness. So JJ basically is like, has the attention span of like a bird. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'll hang out with you guys for half a season, which, like, you know, in nowadays time is, like, a full season. Yeah. True. But, you know, back then it was only half a season. And then he's like, okay, well, good luck with that. <laughs> no, that cracks me up because he did the same thing on Person of Interest. Yeah. <laughs> he was around for, like, the first season, and then he was like, okay, bye! Ah, yeah, JJ. he's like the, the, the ideas man, isn't he? Like, he's the show starter, yeah. and then he's out of there. That That's happened, exactly what I'm pretty sure that happened on Alias, too. Like, he 
he I think he stopped that to focus on Lost, didn't he? Or am I getting the timing wrong? Like I feel like he was only I'm not sure. I mean he was there for the whole thing, but I felt like he was definitely less involved in later seasons. Yeah, JG was an ex- executive producer on Lost the whole time, mm-hmm. but I think he was sh- helping showrun before here. I think if I'm remembering correctly, and if I'm not, please let me know so that I can put it in the corrections for next episode. We have Damon, whose idea this sort of was, and like wrote most of the the pilot and such. Like I don't think Carlton is even in the no, picture. No, the yet. idea actually came from an, an ABC executive. They oh. wanted they wanted a, a fictional survivor. Like, that was the thing, right? And then right. they oh. hired JJ, and JJ hired Damon, or, or like, they, someone put them in touch with each other, and they developed the pilot together. And then... If I'm remembering... Yeah, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly, this is, like, Damon's first big thing, and then JJ was like, okay, Grasshopper, off I go. This is yours now. Pretty much. And Damon, like, panicked and brought in his old mentor, yeah. who he'd worked with in another show, so it's a whole big, like network Mm -hmm. of of confusion which is interesting but worked out pretty well i think considering how did this show get made (laughs) (laughs) well it did and that's the thing that that's what they always say like if you like if you're interested like if you're listening damon recently did a nerdist interview where he sort of he, he talked about it a lot before but he sort of delved back into it and explained like the whole thing again explained how he was like basically freaking out and he brought uh, what's his face um, Carton Q's on and they mapped out the first season and they were so excited and then it was like okay but now we actually have to figure out what is actually going on on the show yeah. <laughs> which like, shows oh, crap. yes <laughs> which we have to answer some questions it does and it's interesting to look at this first season in, in light of this and to look at the things that they're setting up and just being able to even the theories that didn't pan out I think when we're looking at them now and discussing them like we can probably still assume that they could have been true even if they didn't end up going that way because all options were kind of on the table at this point including rose being the chosen one which is my crackpot theory that i can't (laughs) wait to talk about (laughs) um love that yes Uh, that's that's fascinating honestly because you kind of think about like the way television is run now like first time showrunners sometimes oh boy but Mm. Yeah. It worked out beautifully. Just perfectly. Good job, guys. <laughs> and all the theories are absolutely valid. Like, in light of knowing that, and in light of knowing, like, they didn't have much planned out past the first season, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. theory is valid. Yeah. And that's kind of fun, in a way. Yeah. So now what we're going to do is recap the episode in one minute, much in the vein of the old video that they used to do called Lost in 8 Minutes and 15 Seconds, which no one remembers except Selena does remember that. So I feel very happy about that. <laughs> so well, they're on all the Lost DVDs, so I like to watch them yeah. every time I get there. I wish they were. They're not on YouTube, which I think is crazy. But what? if you can try and find them, try and find it because it's absolutely hilarious. Robin's going to attempt it. And if she's too slow, she's going to speed herself up and she'll sound like a chipmunk. Yay! Yay! This episode, the main storyline follows Kate. She and Sawyer frolic in a waterfall that I've also frolicked in and find a case that belongs to Kate. Or doesn't. Or maybe does. She very convincingly says that she doesn't care about it. Sawyer takes it and tries to pick the lock. Michael and Hurley make fun of him for trying. Kate continues to try and get the case back whilst also pretending that she doesn't care about it. Sawyer just wants to know what's inside. Eventually, Kate enlists Jack to help her and they dig up a dead government worker to get the key. Kate tries to pull several tricks and none of them work out. 
Jack threatens Sawyer to get the case, and once it's open, Kate gets her toy back, saying it belonged to the man she loved and killed. Meanwhile, Locke and Boone continue to uncover the hatch, Rose finds a way to relieve Charlie of some guilt, and Saeed gets Shannon to translate some maps, resulting in some weird flirting and a pissed-off Boone. In the past, Kate is part of a bank robbery where she pretends to be a frightened bystander, aka her specialty, makes out with a dude, shoots the dude, and gets this very important toy plane out of a safety deposit box with the same number as the flight. Nuts, man. All right, so what we're going to start with is the beach. There's like three storylines that kind of converge in the beach, but we're just going to put them all together here, and then we'll talk about the case afterward. So the first thing is that the tide is rising pretty quickly here, and all like the luggage is in the water, and Jack's like, maybe we should move to the caves, and Saeed's like, I don't think so. (laughs) But I have a question about how science works. Sure. Okay. <laughs> the, tides, the tides come in every single day. Why is this but suddenly it's also a seasonal, threat right? 16 days in? Yeah, it's like yearly. Sometimes like it's really high tide and sometimes it's really low tide. Like mm-hmm. high tide season, I think, is like when, I don't know, when the tides are high, I think. <laughs> but either way, the fun fact here is that they had to pretend that the tides were coming fast because actually on Oahu the tides were coming in and they couldn't film there anymore oh that is a fun fact actually that is so so maybe like if that hadn't happened you might imagine that they would have stayed on the beach yeah yeah oh that's interesting yeah I know I know here in Denmark that the the water levels rise by the 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 beaches like in winter okay well that makes sense (laughs) I was just like I don't know how tides work I have a question Saeed's like, I don't think people really want to move to the caves after what happened with Claire. Mm. Uh, Jack's like, okay, but like, how about this? Rousseau is a person. She says there's others. No, Rousseau's crazy. I didn't actually hear anything. It was the wind. And we're like, okay, buddy. Now who's crazy? (laughs) This is some clear ADR. They do a lot of ADR on this show. I noticed that a lot in this episode, yeah. Yeah, um, because of the waterfall, of course, is very, very loud. The the tides coming in, the, the water, uh, mm-hmm. when it's raining in the show, it's almost always ADR. Matthew Fox is actually really good at ADR, something that I've always noticed in this show. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like when there's ADR, you're always like, oh, that person's ADRing. And Matthew Fox must be ADRing too, but he sounds like normal. Yeah, there's definitely some that are better than others. I have. I'm yeah. sure you guys remember the the infamous Giles in season four, when he's like, I don't even remember the line, but it's so clearly ADR that it's like absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he's like, bah, 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 if we don't know what it means, and he's like, like he's narrating like a video game. Or I want to like hilarious. look this up now. <laughs> I, I wish I could remember. I'll tell you later. It is so funny, but like always, it's such a shame, I feel like sometimes in TV shows when we're like, oh, this person is an amazing actor, this person is terrible, and a lot of the time it has to do with like how wooden they sound in in ADR, because I feel like that happens sometimes in Game of Thrones as well, like some of the actors, especially like Beric Dondarrion, I've noticed, is awful at ADR, and some of the others, (laughs) like you don't even notice, and it just really takes you out of it. I feel like like on Lost they do a pretty good job, but I definitely noticed it a lot in this episode. Like, do they teach that in acting school? Robin, do they teach that in acting school? I don't know if they do. Uh, ADR? Yeah, we had a workshop. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because you have to be good at it, because they do it so much on TV, but it's nothing that we ever really think that much about. Like, they do it on The 100 I've done a, well a bunch of ADR for films that I was in, yeah. Oh, wow. My favorite thing about The Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. are you I, I wouldn't say that I'm, like, fantastic at it, but... 
I try my best. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about the 180R is, and I'm sure it's going to happen in Lost as well when he finally shows up, is whenever Henry and Cusick does it, he has way more of an accent. Oh, does he? Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I yeah, actually like, that. gets away from him all the time, but especially when you do, like, the Lost ADR, it always has, like, or the 180R, it always sounds slightly more Scottish. Oh, interesting. Oh, I noticed that. <laughs> so, we have these maps, and Saeed's just real humble being like, listen, I am so skilled at mathematics and decryption, and I even I can't figure it out. <laughs> Listen, Saeed is the true leader. Oh my god. He's like, right, though? Ugh. Yeah. He is no, the best true, of, of, of all of them, like, in so many ways. We were talking about, it's, like, Robin blew my me. mind when she actually revealed, like, that the show was never actually supposed to be Jack's show. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be Saeed's show. And ever since then, it's totally changed the way I watch this show. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, and it was supposed to be Kate's show as well. And they were mm-hmm. supposed to, like, it was it was really that kind of sort of game-changing, this is a true ensemble and there's no traditional lead. And then they were like, mm, actually, maybe we should have a traditional lead. And it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and I do sort of feel like Saeed is probably the character that sort of loses the most from that exchange, which is mm-hmm. a real shame because, and, and I even, I will admit this, like in, in the first couple of episodes, I was like, oh my God, Kate and Saeed, I ship it. <laughs> I was like, I was so into it. And could you imagine, like, if that happened in the show, like, Saeed, Kate, and Sawyer central love triangle. And, oh my god, like, that'd Saeed be so weird. Locke, like on I'd opposite watch sides. That. I would love that. Like I love Jack, but I would watch that show. And oh my god, oh, yeah. that would be amazing. I would watch and ship the hell out of that. I feel like I would be less inclined to skate if it was Saeed. If right? Saeed was yeah. the other option. <laughs> I'm less inclined for anything like besides Saeed, to be honest. <laughs> so I get it. But this introduces Shaid, so everyone wins. Is that what they were called? Yes, See, I'm watching yes, it, it and I'm like, what was the ship name it was for Shaid. this? Shaid sounds yep. good. The one I just made up was Jarotherford. <laughs> That's I love really it. terrible. That's yeah. Really, I love that. Yeah. I was like, Hard I have hashtag. to bring this up because I'm, par- I'm proud of this. I don't think you're allowed <laughs> to come up with ship names anymore because that was that bad. So he's like, sometimes things should not be translated. And Jack's like, go talk to Charlie about that. Here I am guilting you into figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Which is um, what friends do. Exactly. You know? So we have Shannon reading. I think she's reading a magazine. I don't actually remember, but... Where have you been? What do you mean, where have I been? You and Locke have been leaving before sunrise and coming back after dark for the last four days. What are you doing out there? Is he your new boyfriend? Boone, you've been gone for the last four days with Locke. Is he your new boyfriend? And I'm like, ooh, is he? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, fun, cool, an LGBT character. And boy, was was I wrong. <laughs> Boone is the straightest of the straights. <laughs> yes, and the competition is fierce on this show. So True. Yeah, well, at least I'm doing something. But you see the way they look at us around here? They don't take us seriously. We're a joke. I'm trying to contribute something. You're just, you're useless. You know what? All of these, like, jokes that we've been making about Boone this entire time, about how Boone is like a dumb baby, and he's just wanting everyone to appreciate him, and that he, like, just wants to be, like, noticed, and just wants to be a part of the the A-team. Like, I've been watching these thinking, yeah, I mean, that's there. Like, that's funny, I guess. And then I watch this scene, and Boone's like, we're a joke to everybody. We, like, we need to frickin', like, 
prove ourselves. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. He, I, we were right. <laughs> it's right. Like, yeah. I didn't even realize how, how much Boone actually was like that until this rewatch. Mm-hmm. And he's so embarrassed by Shannon too, you know, like it's yeah. like by association, she's making him look bad. And I mean, mm-hmm. to be fair, she is being super lazy and selfish. Yeah. <laughs> My thing with Shannon is like, what was she going to do? Yeah, but I mean, everyone was was doing something, you know, yeah. like even just carrying a, a, a thing um, further up the beach would have been helpful. But, oh, I, but yeah. I do think like in her defense, I'm not hating. I love Shannon. And I think that yeah. this episode sort of really does a lot to show why she's so hesitant towards doing anything helpful because she like legitimately when Boone says like the thing about her being useless like she thinks she's useless too she like Mm -hmm. knows she's attractive and that's it like she's so scared of of letting people down by proving how useless she is so you know so she doesn't try at all exactly which is like no baby you can lift suitcases okay (laughs) it's okay just take the little ones So Saeed comes up to her and it's so funny because she's like so like regal and she's like suntanning and she turns around and Saeed comes up just like limping along like like a, I don't know, a leprechaun. And um, he's like, oh, hey, uh, you, you know, the sun is really hot. And she's like, thanks for the fact. Shannon is totally checking out Saeed in this. Oh, they're checking scene. out each other. Like, the, I mean, how could the you not? Tension is, <laughs> is great. Like, I love this. I lo- I'm like such a big shipper of these two. And I forgot how much, like how well it was st- set up. Like, I really think they do such a good job of, of layering in. Like, you know, she knows that he thinks that she's attractive again, because like everyone does in Shannon's yep. mind right but he gets to her and he like his genuine the way that he is so genuine with her it's like you can see it unsettles her like from the beginning and it's just really wonderful to see that connection sort of form in this episode <sighs> I love him I just I really love them because he doesn't treat her like she's an idiot yeah right you know? exactly yeah he's like you have something useful to contribute and she's like no no I really don't I'm useless and he's like no, you're not. Like, he is, like, her rose to her Charlie in this episode, right? Yeah, yep. true. Yep. And that's, like, that's the beautiful thing is because I think people like Boone have been telling Shannon, like, and her family and all the men she dates, like, she's been told mm-hmm. by everyone her entire life, like, you are useless. The only thing that you have is that you're pretty. Yeah. And so, like, that's what she does on the island is she maintains her attractiveness because she knows once she gets off the island, if she ever does, that's all she's ever going to have. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Just a lot of feelings (laughs) (laughs) he's like i need your help and she's like oh so did boone put you up to this and zaid's like no boone hates me (laughs) yeah pretty much dude what what makes you think that i feel like boone hates you yeah that's true he's like you're the only person who can do this and she's like "Mm, no and he's basically like please and she's like "Mm, maybe i mean if saeed if saeed asked you for a favor you kind of go I'm going to get lost in those eyes. Yes, of course. Like, oh, <laughs> fine. The next scene is Boone and Locke. So I like this moment because right before this, we have the other storyline where uh, Michael tells Sawyer to find the axe. And then we see Boone walking away with the axe. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice um, that. Oh, my God. That's so funny. And, and I think what? that's, I I totally think that's kind that. of interesting. Because it's like, then we see Sawyer, like, trying to hit it against a rock. And and you don't have to be like, 
why why didn't he go find the axe? Because we've already seen Boone walk off with it, and we know that he couldn't find it. I didn't even... Oh, my God. I just thought, of course Sawyer is going to be hitting it against the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured that was just Sawyer. I know. I don't need a tool. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that makes it so much funnier. <laughs> Boone's walked off with the axe, and Locke's like, cool, you found the axe. And he's like, yep. You got it. Yeah. Right there. Isn't there an easier way to get there? The easiest way isn't always the best. Did anybody see you take it? No. I don't think so. Well, which is it? Sorry? No, or I don't think so. No. Good. Let's get to work. I help. He's like, did anyone see you? And he's like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, well, which one? And I'm like, what? You're such a brat, Luck. I know. He's like, he's trying to be so, like, mentory. Like, ooh, I'm blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's such a nonsense thing to say. It's like, didn't realize Boone was actually in second grade. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like kind of like disguising him. Like, it's like he's trying to pretend to be like, ooh, I'm going to teach you a lesson in, like, telling the truth and trusting yourself but it's such a dumb thing that it kind of just yeah. I don't know it speaks to Locke's like how secretly he's he's a dork so I like it but it doesn't really make any sense <laughs> he's trying so hard to be Dumbledore yeah exactly oh it's, my god it's just not working <laughs> the next scene that we have is Rose pulling the wreckage and she's basically <sighs> saying Charlie you're being kind of rude just sitting there and she's like everybody's sad like it doesn't mean that you can't help out <laughs> Hello, Charlie. Oh, that's right. You're not talking much these days. But it doesn't mean you get to be rude. Excuse me? Everybody else is helping us move the camp up the beach, except for you. Are you serious? You think you're the only one on this island that's got something to be sad about? Baby, I got sob stories for you, so why don't you grab the other end of this thing and help me? See, now, I'm not sure, because, like, obviously, Rose is always right. That's what we, that's what we yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I understand where she's coming from, but also, I'm trying to figure out how on the side of Charlie I am here, because he has also totally been through a trauma, or, like, like how long has it been since that? And, like... I don't know. He seems okay, so maybe she made the right move, but I'm not sure. I mean, I thoughts. The way I see it, and this is obviously like taking into consideration like the circumstances that they're in. I think that yeah. what she is saying is basically basically this is the it, this is Lost's version of when in the hundred Raven says we've all got battle scars. Yeah, right, uh, yes. learn to live with yours. I feel like that's what she's saying to Charlie. It's that look, we are on this desert island. The tide is coming in. There are monsters in the jungle. We're gonna move to some caves with skeletons. Like, there may or may not be others. Like, this is terrible. Get up and keep going because there is like you you know there like we you have to. And I know that that's like yeah. sort of in a real world context, it is sort of a mm, it's not that simple. But I think in the physical literal sense. I get what she's saying and I mm -hmm. also get that yeah. when he is because what's what's happening is he's been through this horrible thing and he's sitting there and he's letting it consume him and I think what she's trying to do is to say if you sit there and you let it consume you I mean you honestly like again speaking of the hundred like I was just watching 
one hater parts one and two before oh, so we good. started recording because i'm like rewatching mm -hmm. and oh my god <laughs> they're so, so good, good. <laughs> but um <laughs> but no and but abby says a really similar thing to jasper in that episode too she says right. you know you have to face your feelings you have to i don't remember exactly what she says but it also reminded me of this when when characters and and they they've gone through something and there's no like actual way to get the kind of help that you would tell them to to seek in the real world then 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 i think that the pragmatic advice is sort of it happens a lot in shows like this and i can sort of see the sense in it under the circumstances yeah if that I makes sense It makes perfect sense because, I mean, there's definitely something to say about, like, the reflection of, like, how people think that mental health works, mm -hmm. which is, oh, you can just get over it. But right. within the universe, I think when people take that message away, it's not taking into account the fact that there's no one trained to be able to deal with those issues right, exactly, on this island. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, there, yeah. there are much, they have much less choices. And I think also it's a kind of like, in Charlie's case at least, less so in, in Jasper's, but maybe it, it also applies to Finn, is that you have to, like, like, they, the best thing that they can do under the circumstances is to try and see if they can get up and grab the thing and go with Rose and talk about it and see if that, if that can help them in some way, you know? Where exactly. I think Rose isn't seeing that that he has done that yet, so she's like, you know what, like, do it. And then if if he found that he couldn't do that, then then they would obviously have much bigger problems. And it's like I feel like Rose, especially on Lost, like not so much in the Hundreds. I think like Abby did what she could as a doctor, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but on this, like I feel like Rose is such a empathetic person and sort of like really empathic, and she knew that Charlie has the kind of personality that might respond to that sort of advice. Right. Yeah. And she believes, you know, that's also a big part of her character and her story and the thing that kind of, that binds them together. And it's one of the, the storylines that for me, it's been really interesting because I'm not religious. And so watching Rose, I love Rose. And watching this this play out is, is really interesting to me because it's not something that I personally relate to. But I mm -hmm. also think that plays really into the way that she responds to Charlie and when she's later like, you know, he's like, help me. And she's like, I can't help you. And it's, <laughs> for a moment, you're like, how rude. <laughs> But obviously it's because she, you know, she feels oh, like... Oh, not he, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, what? You, you thought I meant I was going to help you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what? You, you see where she's coming from and it's not necessarily the same place that, that some of the other characters were coming from. You see you see Jack leaving him alone for the most part, which is a different strategy. But I think, I think in this case, obviously, as you said, it turned out that Rose was right. You know, that letting him, yeah. him stew in this traumatic experience and help and letting him sink into this darkness was, was the wrong, like, it was not the way to mm -hmm. to help him. I think with, like, Jack and Rose, <laughs> Jack and Rose, that will never not be funny to me. <laughs> Yo, before I understood, like, the Titanic characters, people would talk about Jack and Rose all the time and I'd be like, huh? <laughs> I'd be like, what the heck kind of ship is that? <laughs> Rose is married. This is yeah. what happens when your whole pop culture basis is lost. <laughs> But what I was going to say is that I think, like, Jack and Rose are very much one takes care of the body and one takes care of the soul mm -hmm. sort yeah. of thing. But, like, Rose's is, like, a very, like, pragmatic take care of the soul. Like, I'm not going to mother you. I'm not going to baby you. But I do know what you need. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jack's mm -hmm. like, I don't have a drug to fix that. I'm sorry. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's, she's like, I can help you. If you're ready to help yourself, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. 
Going back to Saeed and Shannon, she's like, you didn't say anything about math. And he's like, oh, that's that's my department. You I thought just that was funny. the other thing. <laughs> okay, tag yourself, I'm Shannon. Anytime <laughs> math is involved, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> he's like, how did you learn how to speak French? And she's like, oh, I knew this guy. I lived in France. And she says, I knew this guy. And here co- oh in comes God. Sassy Saeed again with this little, like... <laughs> Tell me more. Look, his his little face and like the way he puts his hand on his chin is like the most adorable, ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. I love it. Saeed's kind of got a uh, game. He does. He bit. does. Like he but knows. Like, he knows. Yeah, in a super subtle way though, where he's like, "Oh yeah, like tell me about you." Not like, "Hey girl." It's like, "Hey girl, tell me mm-hmm. about you." Hey girl. <laughs> It's interesting because, like, you can think of, like, Saeed, does Saeed have a type or is Saeed just, like, so well-rounded that he likes all types of girls? Like, can we take a look at what the differences and similarities are between Nadia and Shannon, maybe? <laughs> There's, mm, yeah. They're night, they're night and day, except for, like, mm. I think they both yeah. have, like, an inherent, like, kindness. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's also the sense of, like, I don't think that Shannon is necessarily his type and I don't think that he came to the island, you know, hoping to fall in love kind of thing. But I but I think yeah. that there's just something about Shannon, like in in her own way, like even though obviously her, the, her circumstances are like polar opposite from Nadia's, I think that Saeed recognizes like a genuine quality to her. And you see that especially like mm-hmm. at the end when she's like singing to him and literally like bearing her soul for him. Like, he realizes that there's so much more under the surface. And I think that's... And that's one of the things I love about the two of them is that he falls in love. Like, she's obviously very attractive and he obviously recognizes that, but that's not what he falls in love with. Yeah. Which is just very, very sweet. And I think there's sort of, like, a a quality to Shannon of, like, who maybe Saeed thought, like, Nadia could be if she wasn't in the circumstances she was, which is that, you know, someone who is sort of constantly underestimated and constantly sort of fighting against something, but in just in two very different ways. You know, Shannon's always fighting against, like, society's preconceived notions of her, and then Nadia obviously was, you know, in the middle of a war zone. So they're two totally... You could find similarities between the two and see, like, what Saeed likes, which is someone who has a lot of potential in themselves and who wants to better themselves, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also do like that they're so different. I like that, yeah. that there is scope there. Cause, and I think that's some, something that, that TV falls in falls into a little bit of a trap or whatever you should say. Like when you see a couple, like you'll see someone with, like in the past, like, God, Who spoilers. you expect them to be with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, And the interesting thing is to see them be with someone totally different, you know? And um, yeah. I was going to give some spoilers for future episodes, but I'll just backtrack my point. But... There are some good examples later in, in the show, I think. But we could totally talk about it in the spoiler section. Yeah, okay. I'm going to write down <laughs> that we want to talk about Nadia, because I have something to say about Nadia as well in the mm-hmm. spoiler section, I think. Okay, I have a question about this scene, though. Hmm. So she says, yeah, yeah, I lived in France. And Saeed says, well, that's the best way to learn a new language. <laughs> and then they have Saeed. this moment where it's like, hee, hee, hee. Can someone explain to me what this flirty joke is? Because I, di- I don't get it. Well, the joke is that, like, when you, like, fall in love with someone, like, you... Well, now that I have to explain the joke, I thought I got it. <laughs> like, I, thought, I, I guess like, is it he, is... I thought... Because like I thought he was maybe making a joke about how she was, like, sleeping with the dude there or something. But, like, was she implying that even? Like, 
don't no, know. I, well, I, I, just, I, I, I just don't get it. Too gay to understand straight mating practices <laughs> right now. <laughs> No, I think I think it's it, it, like I would assume that it is like uh, and and I'm foreign, so like the three of them. Yeah, um, and I I'm, I'm asexual. Help us! <laughs> but no, I'm I think I think that it. it I'm gonna take a, a brave stab at <laughs> explaining the joke. Um, <laughs> that the the point is that like it's like a love language kind of joke, like when you are like okay. infatuated with someone, like blah blah blah. But it's also a case of like. You have a reason, you know, like the, you're not just learning a language for the fun of it. You're learning a language because you, there is someone who you want to be able to communicate with who speaks that language and you want to be able to communicate with them. So that's sort of, I guess, the, the less sexy meaning. <laughs> I'm like sitting here, like watching it. And, mm-hmm. and she says, yeah, I lived in France. And he's like, well, that's the best way to learn the language. It and they do a, these little like funny. It is a and joke, I'm like, though. It is yeah, a reference is. to something. <laughs> I'm like, it is though. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a fact. Like, <laughs> but like, why? Okay, why is it funny? <laughs> what joke are we not in on? <laughs> Listeners, please write in if you know. <laughs> please help us. Someone's listening, going, "You guys are idiots." <laughs> I know. <laughs> the next scene that we have is Sun, and she has this plant, and Jack is asking her what it's for, and what she says in Korean, according to Lostpedia and Google Translate, is it's a herbal medicine for headaches. So. And Jack goes, I don't know what that means. And she basically is just like, it's a herbal medicine for headaches. So she's like, and he's like, gotcha. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, okay. I really like Jack and Son's relationship, by the way. Sorry. I just know it's like a tiny yeah, thing. No, but for I always sure. really enjoy the way that he is with her and the way that she sort of is with him too, because she is in this unique position of, of actually knowing everything that's going on, even though like she pretends not to. Right. So I feel like she understands everything and, and him and, and some in, in a way that I think they don't really pay a lot of attention to in the show, but in the few moments that we do get between them, like I really, I, I think it's, it's pretty good. And also uh, at least, especially in the first season, she's kind of his counterpart, like yeah, uh, the yeah. natural sort of part of his counterpart. So he, he, re- he really respects her, I think. Mm hmm. And you can see that. You can totally see that there's total respect there. Because she always surprises him, which I think is a fun mm-hmm. thing for Jack, when people yeah. surprise him. Yeah. Even when she's not even speaking the same language, she still is understanding and helping the way that he can't. And yeah. that's, I think that's amazing to him. <laughs> the next scene that we have is Rose and Charlie again. Why are you smiling? Am I? You look happy. Well, I guess I must be then. There's no reason to be happy. Things are awful. They're not that awful. We're stranded on an island. No one's coming for us. You don't know that. Well, what I do know is something in that jungle that eats people. Just because we've not heard from it in a couple of weeks doesn't mean it won't get hungry again. And I know there's a person or people that are trying to hurt us. Charlie. And Nobody blames you. What? For what happened to Claire. It's not your fault. You did everything that you could do, and you came very close to dying yourself. Yeah. Maybe I should have died. You know what I think, Charlie? You need to ask for help. Who's going to help me? This is when you need to ask for help. And it's like, but not for me. Yeah. 
It's like, well, I, I got other stuff to do, okay? Yeah, I'm busy, but maybe somebody else. I don't know. Ask Shannon. I hear she's not doing much. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> like, he, he comes up to her. He's like, I hear you're the person to ask for stuff. And she's like, what the <laughs> <laughs> she's like yeah if you need suntan lotion <laughs> he's like remember that time when you took advantage of me and i bu- and i got you a fish can you help me that was payback time you must yeah. fix me psychologically <laughs> so back to shannon and saeed uh speaking of we've got a sea of sparkles and saeed is very confused about this blue infinity and she feels like it's really familiar now he's like no it's nonsense she's like listen my french sucks too maybe Rousseau is nuts. I know. I think that we already <laughs> thought about this. And he's like, this was a mistake. And she's like, yep, yeah, it was. Bye. Oh, and I'm like, this is sad, sad. Hard. But it's so unfair because, like, Saeed wanted it to be logical. But, like, Saeed's met her- Rousseau. He knows know. it wasn't yeah. going to be. He should know this. If I go on to the Lostpedia page for this song, uh, it's called La Mer, which stands for La Mer. I don't know how to speak French. Um, I'm Canadian. We're Canadian, but we don't know French. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it means the sea. The actual translation for the actual song in French is the sea. That one sees dancing along the clear gulfs has silver reflections. The sea changing reflections under the rain. The sea in the summer sky merge its white sheep with such pure angels. The sea shepherdess of azure infinite see close to the ponds these large wet reeds see these white birds and these rusted houses the sea has rocked them along the clear gulfs and with a song of love the sea has soothed my heart for life Mm. Mm. so that's the full translation uh there's a english version called beyond the sea that was actually in the beyond the sea uh, really yeah yeah oh my god foreshadowing and it's the actual credit song for Finding Nemo. It's interesting because she talks about how La Mer is the credit song for the French version of Finding Nemo. Do they usually have actual, like, actual translations for the English and French versions? Like, I think that's oh, kind yeah. of interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't they usually, like, of course they, no, they They dub it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like, we in Denmark, we have the same, like, we luckily, we don't dub everything, but we do dub children's cartoons, and they make, like, right. professional, like, famous Danish actors, like, dub... Danish versions mm-hmm. of the songs and, and stuff like that. So it's a thing. I actually got really excited before because I thought, like, I got, like, the Beyond the Sea title, but I was thinking about Across the Sea, which is almost oh, the same, but not quite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Across the Sea is uh, an episode in season six. Yes. Oh. Yeah, that would be That would be That would have been better, guys. Like, geez, Dan. Yeah, that's yeah. what they should have called one. it. It would have made the exact same <laughs> amount of sense. Yeah. So Beyond the Sea is one of the best episodes of The X-Files. So, oh, yes, okay. It then. said it's that on the so good. on the wiki, I think. That that episode's about very much about fathers and daughters. Like it's it's all like in the same sort of genre. Yeah, it says the English version of the song featured prominently in the X-Files season 1 episode 12 also named Beyond the Sea. Yeah. That's literally That's all about cool. Scully and her dad and like their relationship with each other. Mm. All the best cowgirls have daddy issues. 
Aww. The English lyrics for Beyond the Sea are Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me My lover stands on golden sands And watches the ships that go sailing ships? Somewhere beyond the sea He's there watching for me If I could fly like birds on high Then straight to his arms I'd go sailing It's far beyond a star, it's near beyond the moon I know beyond a doubt My heart will lead me there soon We'll meet beyond the shore, we'll kiss just as before Happy we'll be beyond the sea And never again I'll go sailing That's a really pretty song Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone make a Shannon and Saeed fan video to that song. Thank you. Aww, yeah. Yes, please. Aww. Since we're talking about it, so Finding Nemo, the fact that it's the ending credits for Finding Nemo is hilarious to me because Danielle has been on this island 16 years. <laughs> she doesn't know that it's the end credits for Finding Nemo, but Finding Nemo and Rousseau have the same story. Loses you kid so goes to find kid. Right. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's upsetting. I love that. <laughs> Have you seen Alex? Have you seen my kid? Just, Where's Alex? Where's Alex? Where's Nemo? Where's Nemo? So the next one is it's moving day, and so everybody in the beach camp stands up and walks thirty feet left or whatever i don't know Um, (laughs) and then they stop (laughs) i love that (laughs) yeah and then they're like we're here i have a confession to make Uh when i was on the lost tour i had two options we could have gone to the beach camp like this new beach camp that they end up spending the rest basically the rest of the series on or i could have gone to the kate and sawyer waterfall (laughs) and i chose the kate and sawyer waterfall of course you did and do i regret (laughs) it every day a little bit (laughs) but the skate of it all yeah i know that's good it's good for your ship dedication it meant a lot to me to swim in that waterfall oh my god i can imagine you got to swim in it too oh i swam i swam in that waterfall (gasps) i swam was it magical it was magical i felt good about it were the dead bodies still in there (laughs) <laughs> uh, I didn't see him. Actually, okay. I have a fun fact about that later. Okay. <laughs> Robin's like, I found different dead bodies. <laughs> different dead bodies. Yeah, it's going to be fun, guys. Stick around. That's not a fun <laughs> fact, Robin. <laughs> so we have Rose, and Charlie is saying, your husband was in the tail section, and she's like, yep, but he'll be back. He was right. He'll be back. Mm-hmm. She's like, I just know. And he's like, how do you know? She's like, I just heckin' do. <laughs> a fine line between denial and faith it's much better on my side which is a great line mm-hmm. and he's like please help me and she's like oh me <laughs> I know. you ask thought God. i was gonna help you i don't please. think so awkward we move back to shannon and saeed a guy from central bay he had this kid a real snot who hated me. His name was Laurent. He watched this movie over and over and over again, every day, all day, like kids do, 900 times. It was the cartoon about fish. You know, one of the computer ones. Why are you telling me this? Because the movie was dubbed in French, and at the end, there was this song. There's notations. There's song lyrics. And your French woman, she's just like Laurent because she wrote them over and over and over again. I literally wrote Finding Nemo, 2003. So this does make sense 
Like, I was worried that Finding Nemo came out in 2004, and it's like, mm -hmm. how did he get the DVD so quickly to watch it over and over again? But it's also, like, you know what is it's so, like, annoys me about this? Because I know it's, like, beautiful and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. it's, like, at the time, like, this would have been the equivalent of Shawn Mendes on The 100. No. <laughs> no! <laughs> it would have been the equivalent of, like, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then suddenly Daisy starts like being like, I know this really good song. Have you heard it? Do 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 right. do do. Like you know, like it just it it it's too it's soon. Jarring. It's too current. It's yep. too product placement. Right. Like haha, ABC owns Disney. It's dumb. I don't like it. But I do like <laughs> the, you know the song. But I don't like it in the context of. Being I do like the fact that Disney. she doesn't say he used to watch Finding Nemo over and yeah, over again. She says the one with mm -hmm. the fish, you know, the computer one. I mm -hmm. had no idea that was Finding Nemo until I checked the the Lostpedia like a month ago, and I went, "Ooh, that's relevant." Mm, yeah, that's less less intrusive. That's really funny though, because like sometimes writers, you can either lean into being told to write product placement, or you can like you know, in the case of Thirty Rock, literally make actual sketches out yeah. of like trying to advertise Snapple. Like, yeah. this was mm -hmm. probably the bare minimum of how you could try and advertise Finding Nemo is, well, yeah. it's about a fish and it's a French song. <clears throat> and it's computer animated, so that's it. Or you could have Devin Bostic punch Shawn Mendes in the face. Like, you can or go that. either direction. I mean, either way, I think that we all gain something from it, so. Uh, now it's time to move on to the storyline with Kate and the case and such. So we start with Kate in a tree. She's made this, like, bag out of, like, a seatbelt. And it's heckin' cool. I, f I and love, I want one. I love everything about this opening sequence. Like Kate is so crafty and just like climbing trees and just being awesome. And she's having a great time. Like, can we also oh, yeah. just appreciate that? Like, she is like in her element. Like, in a way, a little bit like Lost is. Like when she's running around this jungle, right? And uh, and I love her music too. Like the music piece for her. Like it is. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit gendered i noticed like it's definitely a a, a woman's more, theme compared yes, to some yeah, sure, but yeah it is very beautiful so she hears a noise and this is how i think you can tell that it's sawyer before it's sawyer first of all you can just guess but second of all there's like she hears the noise and then she turns and then you hear this really low guitar pluck mm -hmm. and like that sounds like straight right out of sawyer's theme yeah i it's love when well music does that totally tell it, I love when music precedes a character because it just sort of like sets mm -hmm. up the scene in a way that like you don't even like consciously know that you're absorbing. That reminds me of when you're watching Orphan Black and you think, uh oh, something's going down. Like Helena's about to show up because you hear <laughs> Helena's theme. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, all right. So let's prepare for the crazy. Yeah. She picks up a rock and she hits Sawyer. Same. And <laughs> he's like, I'm here to protect you. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, so "Thank dumb. you so much, <laughs> but I'm actually one of the boys, and I can take care of myself because I'm one of those characters." Okay, I mean, bless his heart, but if, if he could have come up with any excuse that wasn't, "I'm going to protect you," yeah, yeah, and in some way, maybe he did feel like he was because he obviously does care for her a lot more than he wants yeah. to let on, and I think after what's her face, Claire, she's gone now. I forgot her. Yeah, yeah Claire, <laughs> um, she's gone. <laughs> Yeah, who um, cares now? But, like, you know, like, I think he does worry for her. And you can, like, sort of discuss whether the fact that he feels like he needs, you know, he goes like, oh, I'm Kate. But really, he's the one who should be going, oh, I'm Sawyer. I feel like I yeah. woman be protecting, <laughs> hide in the tree, you know. But but it is it does come from a good, if somewhat male-centric place. 
Yeah. They find the waterfall, and it looks much cleaner than it did when I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I noticed something that might be kind of gross. Okay. Was it the dead bodies? Because I agreed. (laughs) No. It was... Kate's underwear, I'm almost certain that's the same underwear she was wearing in Pilot Part 2. I mean, where's she going to well, get new underwear, Robin? I know, but when does she wash it? When? when she does she have another pair that she can wear while she's washing it? I doubt it. She's just jump in the water. She just washes I want to know the it. logistics of this. <laughs> I mean, they probably well, they... were much better washed in that waterfall than in the ocean. Yeah, That's true. I'm just worried. It's it's not healthy. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. It's like if you I, I if you know. crash on an island, you just gotta hope that you wore your like a good pair of underwear. Yeah, and it's not, it's not like she's gonna pull those off the dead bodies. Like, better keep her own, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. god. I mean, <laughs> what are your options? <laughs> oh, that is not a great thought. I'm so I know. scarred I'm right things now. Things in perspective, guys. Exactly. <laughs> But from now on, everyone, make sure to fly in their cutest underwear so that Robin doesn't have to worry about you on an island. <laughs> what do they do when, what does she do when she's on her period? I'm worried about her. I hate that survival shows, fictional survival shows, don't deal with that. Yeah. I know, and I also notice that her armpits are just perfectly shaved yeah. as well. Yeah. It's like, um, girl, it's like I get it, but by now. I just, I want one show to acknowledge, just one to acknowledge the fact that women have periods and you got to deal with mm-hmm. that at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do I feel like the Lost did that at some point? Am, am I making that up? But I feel um, like there's something uh, something to do with 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 Sun and another woman. It's like a I don't know. Maybe maybe I just inferred something. But I but I always I thought that they might have done that. Oh, but maybe. you know what I do? What I do like about this is a really weird thing. Oh. Hmm? Do they do it? Um, Am I right? I don't know for sure. Let me look that up. But anyway, like, I did notice something about Kate when I was watching it back, like, in my teens. And I was, like, super mm-hmm. into it and stuff. And I did, and this is a very small margin of reality <laughs> that I am allowing them here. But Evangeline Lily is actually, like, it's not like they wax her arms or anything. You know, like, she's actually pretty, mm-hmm. like, she, you know, you can see that she has arm hair. Which yeah. is nice, yeah. because a lot of the time on TV, they really wax and shine and polish their stars to a, a pretty, like, ridiculous degree. But Lost actually sort of within its very, you know, it was on network television and it was in primetime. And, and there were some, like, beauty requirements for their actors, I'm sure. But I, but I do think it, within that, I remember e- even watching it as a teen being like, oh, wow. There's hair on her body. <laughs> like they, made a, they made an attempt as much as they could. Exactly, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We just went off on, on like, a seven-minute tangent about Kate's underwear, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's okay. It's important. It is important. They don't talk about that. I bet that, you know, you're the first Lost podcast to go on such a tangent, so be proud. Honestly, it's because it's full of women, and we think about these things. Exactly. I worry. (laughs) All right, what happens next? I'm surprised you guys Um, haven't started squeeing about Skate yet. I, I was just about to be like, can we talk about Sawyer and Kate now? Yes, let's do it. Um, yeah, we can talk about Sawyer and Kate. <laughs> what do you want to say about them? I love them. I love them too. Okay, they are so cute in this episode. Like, especially in the, I, I mean, I guess not throughout the whole episode, but in this scene, like, there's something so 
both Kate's scene alone when she's climbing and she's having the time of her life and when they are in the waterfall, like, they are such children, you know? Like, they are so joyful and playful and it is so wonderful. Like, you don't get a lot of that, like, kind of pure joy, even though it obviously has to have some kind of disgusting twist because it's lost, right? But yeah. mm-hmm. at this point, like, I feel like it's it's such a feel-good little moment that they're allowing themselves here, which is which is cute. And also another thing that The 100 kind of borrowed for a, one of yeah. their season one scenes. Not that I'm comparing to <laughs> Clark and Finn or anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, my God. They have a similar <laughs> waterfall scene. <laughs> yep. No. They're like... Jack and Kate are allowed to be vulnerable around each other, but also, like, mm-hmm. Kate and Sawyer have a different kind of vulnerability, where it's sort of like, yeah. here's, like, this, like the really soft, like, fun part of me, and we're both going to kind of just forget for five seconds that we have any kind of rivalry, because, like, we both really love being mischievous and causing trouble and jumping off of waterfalls. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really sweet. They really bring out, like, a different side of each other that Jack, especially, like, I don't think Kate gets to do with Jack because everything's so serious with Jack all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They find two dead bodies down <laughs> <Corpse water>. underneath <laughs> there. Something, like, really scary about them is that, like, if you look at them, the guy has, like, clutched the lady's arm. I know. And they're, I like, noticed. this arm clutch for eternity. And it's, like, ugh, it gives me shivers. It's too sad. I have a fun fact. About this? About dead bodies? <laughs> sure. Okay. All the underwater scenes were shot in a tank in LA, not there. Well, that makes okay. sense. Okay. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have been surprised if it had been yeah. different. <laughs> like, I don't think Hawaii would really accommodate <laughs> underwater shooting, yeah. but... So Sawyer wants to go in and take whatever's on them. He finds a wallet, and this is... This is really gross. Like, mm. would would their skin be like disintegrating? Yeah. When he touches yeah. them, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know much about because water, but, but yeah. But you know, it's also the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So who knows what kind of processes uh, bodies go through on that island? True, true. So there's the case, and she's like, "It's mine," uh, but she doesn't have a key, and so he's like, "Is it not yours?" And she's like, "Whatever, take it. I don't even care." Pfft. It's fine. There's nothing suspicious about this at all. That case ain't yours, is it? No. Well, you wouldn't mind if I just take it. I don't care. Not what it looks like. Something you want to tell me about this little suitcase breakfast? Take it. I don't care. I don't even care. You think I care? I don't. (laughs) Which is the exact wrong approach to take with Sawyer. Because she should know by now that, like, creating any sort of puzzle with him, he is going to try and solve it with everything inside him. Especially if it's about her. I have this feeling where it's like, Kate does not seem to be very good at lying to Jack. That's something that I've mm-hmm. noticed. It's like yeah. she's she's been okay at lying just in general. Like when we see her in the flashbacks and everything, she's like a pretty good actor. But in this episode, she's she's with Jack and he's like, what else is in it? And she's like, nothing. Huh? What? What? Uh, uh, someone's lying I about mean, stuff, but it's not me. 
<laughs> well, I think flying. I don't know. I think there's like two reasons for this, and this is something obviously we can talk more about. Also, if we want to talk like about the different ways that Sawyer and Jack handle the case, <laughs> right? <laughs> How yeah. do they solve the case? How do you um, solve this one? It's yeah, exactly. Like, and why she can't lie to him? I think first of all, it's because he they have connected in a way already, like on yeah. a deeper level. But it's also because and this. I think ties into why his reaction at the end is so strong is because we've just seen in the episode before that Jack has grown up being lied to and manipulated by someone he loves. And he is highly attuned to... That's also, we were talking about this last week, like how it's so hard for him to get close to and trust anyone on the island because he doesn't trust people and he's been through this horrible trauma with trusting people and knowing that they are that he is like a pawn in in people's games right and so i think that's one of the reasons why first of all he's so aware of kate trying to manipulate him into getting what she wants but also why he's so over the top upset about it at the end right do you think there's some part of kate that doesn't want to lie to him i think so I don't know. I think, mm, and I've, oh, we we're gonna get into this. I don't know if this is now, <laughs> but but I but I think with Kate, what is so and what why her story is so moving and so good, and why I get so frustrating when all people want to talk about is the love triangle, because Kate right. has Kate is like the the things that she has experienced and the kind of PTSD that she's developed and the things the lengths that she's gone to to protect herself, like her heart or her. Mm-hmm her thoughts or her being or the thing that that she doesn't want anyone to take away from her is is i think that she is desperate to keep this part to herself and i think she will like there's nothing that she wants more than to keep this secret mm-hmm. you know and i think a yeah. part of her i think if it was anything else she would tell jack and i yeah. think that yeah. she also for that matter sawyer like i don't think that she is she wants to be a liar like you see that in the flashback too but she will do whatever it takes. Whatever the case may be. <laughs> she will yeah. do to keep this little part of her because I think it's it's all she has. Like somewhere in her past, in her childhood, maybe even she learned to lock up a little bit of herself. And every time she is vulnerable, she loses something. Mm-hmm. And she has nothing yeah. left now except for like what is physically inside her. And then this little tiny object that is like a manifestation of what she hasn't lost yet. You know, and, and I think that is... Yeah very 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 rich and and horrible and tragic and 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 a beautiful story you know and i think it goes so far beyond like anyone obviously that she is connected to on the island and it's also like a great demonstration of like someone who has a total lack of control trying to find some kind of control over like their destiny right because she knows if she can get this key that means that she can still continue to shape herself on that island into who she can continue her fresh start. People Mm. don't all have to know every single secret of her. She can be whoever she wants to be, but the more her past unravels, the less control she has over, like, what people think of her, how useful they find her, or whether or not they're going to, you know, treat her differently. Yeah, the the locked case is literally her backstory file. (laughs) (laughs) The locked case is everything that she's trying to, to hide, and the plane... And you know that because the minute that Jack sees the plane, the game is up and she might as well tell him because the plane is, the the lie is not the thing, the plane is the thing. And that is everything that she has tried to keep him and everyone else on the island from knowing and has tried to keep that locked away and she will do anything to keep that 
to keep that secret and to get that fresh start. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Kate. My God. <laughs> All of this just like it, it, it really goes to show how badly Kate was misunderstood during the first airing of the show. Agree. Yeah. yeah and 100%. how she's continually misunderstood, I think. Because people found Kate annoying and they found her grating and they hated the love triangle. And I'm like, what did Kate do in any of this to be treated this way? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hashtag what Kate did. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what Kate did. But it's still like compared to her other male counterparts. Yeah. What Kate right. did is on par with what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she suffered like not as much as everyone else, but uh, she's definitely had a. A, a, a kind of past trauma that you can't really say is any less or or less worse than other people's like she's really gone through a terrible thing and yeah but and i but you know what i think about the love triangle like why that sort of didn't hit with people is because i think that they and you can see that in this episode very clearly that they try to use jack and sawyer as a way of representing different kind sides of kate mm-hmm. you know like they try to use jack and sawyer as a way of showing how she reacted to different in different situations, how like her sort of the way that she understood herself and the way that she wanted others to understand her, et cetera. And, and I think that 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 worked, except that people were much more interested in the guys than they were about in Kate. Right. Like it yep. became about Sawyer. Yeah. I think that the battle for Kate were really I always saw the love triangle as an internal battle inside of Kate going, well, which which person do I want to be? Whereas I think in a lot of ways it, it was understood to be, well, wh- which man wins the woman? And I think it really was supposed to be different. But I think over the course of the series, I think they did kind of lose sight of that. But but not as yeah. much as people who don't like Kate sort of say that they did. Because I think they, they, you know, it was still Kate's story by the end. It had just that damn love triangle. But the love triangle wasn't the problem. I think this is why people hate love triangles so much now. <laughs> right, but what frustrates yeah. me is that the love triangle wasn't the problem. It was... The audience was the problem. <laughs> yeah. Because the love triangle, like, to me, is it's not even that obvious. Mm-hmm. Because, and I don't know, like, during the course of the show, like, that was all anyone ever talked about. But to me, like, it was way more about everyone's individual stories. And then, yeah, of course, totally like, later on with how, you know, Sawyer's story in particular develops. But it's just fascinating to me, like, when you brought up, like, which side of Kate it was, you kind of look and, like, there's the there's the fun-loving Kate that sometimes you see with Sawyer, but then mm-hmm. there's, like, the true heart of Kate that you see with Jack. And you can see mm-hmm, why yeah. things unfolded the way they did. I hate that it was tied into, like, which person she was with. Yeah, totally, totally. I think that that was, it was a, I under, I, I'm trying to, like, see what their intention was, but I also think that they didn't, that they didn't execute it really well. And I, and I also think, because it, it's not that black and white. You know, yeah. it's not like, oh, well, if, like, Jack is the good and Sawyer is the bad or Sawyer is yeah, the fun exactly. and Jack is the worst. Like, it's not it's not that simple. And I think that when people try to make it that simple, they are losing a lot of the nuance, not only of the story they were trying to tell, but especially in for Kate and why she was so torn for as long as... Why she was so torn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I think, like, in the spoiler section, we talk about it more, but, like, her storyline yes. with Claire <laughs> later on played yeah. a huge role in, like, yeah. shifting the narrative away from that. Mm-hmm. The next scene that we have is Sawyer sleeping with the case between his legs. Um, <laughs> I don't think that he was sleeping. I don't think he was sleeping no. the entire time. No. There's no heckin' way. No, this is a game to him. It fully is, yes. And Sawyer I was and super this- bored. <laughs> right. 
and I and I don't I, I find this in a way I find this and I would be I'm so interested in hearing what you guys think I find this storyline with Sawyer and Kate like in this part of it kind of uncomfortable because I think it's really obvious how much Kate how much this means to her and how much he's just messing with her and how upset she is by it and how he's just not relenting and I find that to be really um I don't know, there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way, but I, what I do think is, is, is kind of interesting is that he thinks it's a game, and for a lot of it, he thinks she's playing it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah. also speaks to maybe he doesn't, he doesn't know her that well yet, or maybe he just is not seeing what the audience is seeing, because you, you can't see the flashbacks, he doesn't hear the noise. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but there is a point also when she's running away later on in the jungle and she looks up at him and she kind of smiles. This, is, this exactly, is a game. This exactly. is another game, just like when they were jumping in the water for him. Yeah, I think yeah. like there is definitely, there's a huge power play here, and Sawyer knows it and Kate knows it. So mm-hmm. there is definitely sort of an ugly little element underneath of, I have something that you want and you're going to have to sacrifice it something to get it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing that causes the discomfort. But at the same time, in Sawyer's head, it's they're on the same playing field. Yeah. yeah he's not doing this maliciously at exactly. all. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of being Sawyer. He's just antagonizing her. Yeah. And he he's has just no confused. idea what's at stake. <laughs> he just can't tell the difference sometimes. <laughs> he's like, you're playing this game, but also I didn't know that we were playing a serious game. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like once Jack shows up and, like, threatens him, then it's suddenly just like, oh, this was more serious than I thought. Um, okay, but Jack, will you please tell me what is actually in the case? <laughs> will you tell me it's all I care about, really? But that's the yeah. point where it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it, if Kate didn't want to tell him, then he could have absolutely respected that and, like, given yeah. Kate an olive branch and been like, okay... Here's this thing that you clearly care more about than I assumed. I thought we were just playing a game, but we weren't. And, like, so that's where it gets uncomfortable is Sawyer continues. Yeah. And I feel like that's also, like, a moment for him when it's, like, okay, so she won't tell me what's inside, but apparently she'll let Jack see what's inside. Oh, yeah, and that must it's such a metaphor, hit him guys. The wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost too painful. And what it's does also it super- mean? Like, metaphorical, like, in a way that that scene when, you know, Sawyer has the case, but Jack has the key. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? like, true. And, and they're, like, tug, tug of war for this, you know, basically, like, Kate's soul is it's not inside this. It's, it's very, like, almost too overt, you know? <laughs> yeah. But continuing on with the scene that we were actually in. Oh, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> basically, he's like, maybe you're not actually here for the case, and then she headbutts him <laughs> um, I listen her. I love this scene because um, Sawyer says the word golly and I think it's funny when he says those like stereotypical southern things like like oh what did he say in the last in uh, solitary he said um, well uh, the heebie-jeebies boy howdy boy oh. howdy is what he <laughs> said <laughs> yeah I just think that's funny but either way he won't give it to her um, I have a, f- a fun fact though hmm. there was a uh, a cut line in the scene where um, basically Sawyer would invite her to come back in and like quotations play rough some more or whatever and no. she would go yeah yeah no but wait it gets better and then she would go uh no you have a headache <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's actually really funny I kind of wish they'd kept yeah. that I know me too the uh, the next scene is Sawyer trying to pick the lock 
And Michael comes up and he's like, dude, I don't know. I don't think so. So Sawyer says the word daddy, which is now kind of taboo at this <clears throat> point. Um, so I was like, oh, yikes. Okay. Wait, what is he saying I almost- exactly? I, I asked knowing that I'm going to cringe when I actually hear it because I can't remember it. I know. And you're making and I have to say it. I know. This Hello. This is all for my own entertainment. You better find yourself a runway, Daddy, because there ain't a lock I can't pick. His lines are like poetry. Like, the yeah. rhythm of them is really... True. Really, True. Um, and on any other actor, they would feel clunky. But with Josh, mm-hmm. they, they roll right off the top. They work, yeah. Josh is so talented! <laughs> <laughs> I love Josh so much. Look at Josh! Crazy ex-girlfriend much? <laughs> I... <laughs> I almost wanted to make my favorite line awards literally just Hurley laughing at Sawyer. <laughs> wasting your time, man. If you pick the lock on a Halliburton, I'll put you on my back and fly us to L.A. You better find yourself a runway, Daddy. Because there ain't a lock I can't pick. What are you trying to do? Pick the lock on a Halliburton. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I, like, nearly just made that my life. You know, it's so funny, though, that, like, since when are they all, like, case brand experts? Like, what a weird little joke. Why does everyone have this knowledge? Yeah, like, they're all such, like, I don't know, brand nerds all of a sudden. It's really weird. I feel like... It is weird. There is an in-universe... There's two justifications. Is one... Someone paid them money to write this in. But two... (laughs) No one can pick a Halliburton lock. Wink, wink. But Winkity wink. Two, everyone who's been hauling luggage off the beach probably has a lot of experience now with breaking open locks. True, yes. But do they notice the brands of them? Yeah. <laughs> Hurley actually has a sheet where he like writes down like yeah, yeah. all of the this brands one, and then how to open this lock. <laughs> yeah. I'm now on the Lostpedia page for the Halliburton case. And now I'm gonna see if there's something interesting on here. I know it must be product placement. Hmm. Because what the hell is a Halliburton? it's not a Whitmore case, so, you know. That's true. <gasps> that would have been oh, good. Oh, this is a giant... Oh, my God. Okay. Halliburton's a gigantic the company. The case is a Zero Halliburton 5-inch Premier Silver Attaché P5SI. Its oh. exterior shell is made of aluminum and has a silver finish. The overall dimensions are 13 inches by 18 inches by 5.3 inches, and the case weighs 9 pounds. The P5SI also sports a leather interior, interior file compartments and pockets, and is secured by a three-digit combination lock. The case comes with a lifetime warranty, and the approximate suggested retail price is $570 USD. For a briefcase? <laughs> Apparently. Well, you know that I heard that it's really hard to crack it open, so you're really getting bang for your buck there. I just can't. I know this is like super obscure, but did anyone watch, anyone watch Charlie's Angels Full Throttle? Mm, I didn't. I might have done. Don't Come on, guys. There's a, there's. Oh like my god! An I found a trivia. suitcase that Bruce Willis has with like these secret rings in it, and all I can picture is that suitcase right now. Someone, um, someone will get this joke. It's just not you. Someone guys. will laugh. Someone tweet Brittany and tell her that you got her joke, please. It's going to be my sister. <laughs> um, I'm on the Halliburton case, Lostpedia, and we've got some trivia here. It says, producers stated after season one that they used creative ways of putting their sponsors' commercial products into the it! show. So that's, we were right. Yeah. Um, uh, but another thing is that Richard Halliburton was a bold adventurer who disappeared while manning a junk in the South Pacific Ocean. Oh, hmm. they're so smart. Even when they're doing product placement, they're like, yes, we'll take that product because it makes sense. So Sawyer's hitting the case against a rock. 
Uh, and then he goes up on the cliff. And I have another fun fact. I guess it's not really a fun fact. It's kind of just like, hey, I was there. It's like on the way back from the Sawyer and Kate waterfall, like on that road, there's a, uh, a, a cliff. And the guy was like, that's where uh, Sawyer was up there once. And I went, before he could even finish his sentence, I went, oh, yeah, and whatever the case may be. <laughs> the guy hated me, I bet. He must have <laughs> hated me. Oh, I guess it is kind of a fun fact because the uh, the bottom stuff and the top stuff were in completely different locations. Oh. When they shot it. Hmm. But also, so he can't have cool. hated you because at some point, everyone, including Joe Garfine, like the big that's- lost nerds, have done that tour. <laughs> <laughs> so he's definitely he's like I didn't think I had to deal with you before. till October. <laughs> Either way, he drops it off the cliff, and Kate steals it, and then he just like fireman pulls a vine, and then they have a chase, and he's like, "Listen, I don't care about owning it. I'm I just want to know what is inside. Why do you care so much?" She won't tell him. She's like, "Whatever." So Sawyer's definitely like a Virgo. <laughs> I don't know. Astrology's not real, but also. If only Claire were here to tell us. Yeah, right? That level of stubbornness, though. Yeah. Guys, if Sawyer was in a Hogwarts house, what would it be? Sawyer is a Slytherin. Okay. I truly believe that. That's interesting. I never thought about that. I need more time. I'm not sure that I would go Slytherin for him, because I feel like the choices that he's made have... Re- like reasons beyond like I want what's best like I'm gonna do what's best for me and, and my people kind of mm-hmm. um, I don't know okay Might we'll come back to Ravenclaw I think I would argue that he always does mm. but I also I'm a Slytherin so I'm like yep relate 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 <laughs> yep yeah. you're on my well, side let's go right. you could be right I don't know well I can promise you he's not in Hufflepuff so yeah no. I definitely no, yeah. no. He might be he's like a sassy not. Ravenclaw or something he could be totally sassy Ravenclaw. Oh my god, yeah, because he loves books so much. Mm-hmm. My sweet child. Um, Jack is the most Gryffindor to ever Gryffindor, except that Kate Agreed. is also the most Gryffindor to ever Gryffindor. Yes, true, true. Is she, though? Just because is of she the... Not, could we not argue she might be Slytherin? She might be Slytherin. As I was saying it, I was like, but Kate's I mean, she's a Slytherin, dumb dumb. Yeah. But Slytherins can also be good people. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that, you know, there's a very fine line between Gryffindor and Slytherin, and I think Mm -hmm. she maybe skates that line. Agreed. Skates. She skates that line. Good job, team. We made one pun. (laughs) The next scene that we have is Kate coming in to talk to Jack, and it's like, secret time, but surprise, Sun actually understands. She says, Jack, you're the only one who knows this about me. And like, you know, in reality, Hurley does too, but I don't think she knows that. Mm-hmm. I feel like Hurley's forgotten that. She's like, what's in the thing? Is that there's money, some personal stuff, some guns, some ammo. It's pretty sweet. Sawyer has it, though. Uh, but he can't open it. The key is with the marshal. I love this moment where he's like, but I buried him. And she's like, I know. I know. Where <laughs> dun, dun, dun. did you bury him? <laughs> My bad. I know where the key is. He... The marshal kept it in his wallet, in his back pocket. I buried him, Gabe. I know. Where? (sighs) So what else is in the case? What? What else is in the case, Kate? Nothing. That's the truth. Just the guns. He's like, well, what else is in it? She's like, I don't know. She's like, oh, just a little toy plane. 
I'm sorry, no what? Big deal. Like, oh, it's just a little toy blend. It's, just, it's not a big deal. Anyway, here we go. Let's go get it. Um, oh, I have a question for you guys. Sorry, yeah. Before, before we move on, do you think if this episode, in the beginning of the episode, had played out, obviously much less frolically, but that it had been Jack and Kate who found the case, do you think that Jack would have given Kate the case? Oh, that's a good question. Depends on what she would have said. Like, yeah. when she got it, like, I feel like, um, see, I'm inclined to think that he would just believe her and be like, oh, yeah, here's your case, rather than being like, where's your key? Hey, is that yours? But also, he sees right through her in uh-huh. the scene. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I think See, if he'd I'm, taken one look at her face, he would have known and he might have given it to her. Right, exactly. And mm. that's what I'm thinking, like, because I think that the reason that, that he reacts the way he does is because she comes to him and she sell, she tells him, please help me, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And he's like, are you lying? And she's like, no. And he knows <laughs> that she is. And that's what really upsets him. But I think if they had, if they had been the ones to find the case and she had been like, oh, I need this. And she had, he had been like, do you? And she had been like, yes, I do. And he would have been like, okay then. Because oh, he does, he yeah, does yeah. kind of back off more. He's, less, he's much less um, likely to like, antagonize her for, for no reason, you know? And so I feel mm-hmm. like if he hadn't felt like he had a personal stake in it, the same way that he does later, I feel like he would have given her the case. Because she, yeah. especially when she started getting so uncomfortable, you know, because he knows. Anyway, mm-hmm. we can get back to that. I think he definitely, like, would have had a curiosity that he would have kept pushing at. Just, like, mm-hmm. you know, for tension's reason, like, he definitely would have wanted to know. But mm-hmm. I think he would have given her more space and yeah. waited for her to come to him. Right. Like, he would have been right. like, do you want to tell me? And she would have been like, no, I don't. And then he would have been like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just sort of waited her out. Because eventually, like, with Kate, she co- Kate does something when she's ready and not before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. She's like an animal in so many ways. Like she is She's like such a, a skittish, cat. Skittish <laughs> yeah. cat. Yeah, she is in, in so many ways, yeah. I relate to that. <laughs> She's like, why didn't you burn him with the fuselage? And he's like, oh, because I needed to bury him. Which is yeah. like a very Jack thing, but also makes me think about Dobby. And so I'm sad now. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> you had to bring up Dobby. And we God. were just living our lives. I know. Yeah, I'm so sorry. How rude. But also speaks to how personal it is for him, too. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. he is he is in this everything to do with the with the marshal and anything to do with Kate and stuff because this is something that they went through together and that's also I yeah. feel like why he why I think the betrayal or the the lying cuts him so deep because he thought that they had shared this and she yeah. was like you're the only one who knows about me like I have given you this thing but he knows that that it's that she's still lying mm-hmm. and it must suck more because they go through this that thing together. And then it's not so much like, I mean, she's definitely lying, but she's also telling half truths to try Mm -hmm. and get what she wants out of him. And that must cut really, really deep. Yeah. Like the manipulation after all of that, like I can't imagine being Jack because like Jack's been manipulated his whole life too. Like not just lie, but like deliberately manipulated. Like he's like a puzzle piece. And then Kate turns around, does the same thing to him. That just must hit all his buttons. Exactly. Yeah. This is like double. They both have like these massive traumas that are like clashing and exploding in the middle, you know, and causing this whole thing. And then there's the blonde idiot in the middle just running around going, what's in the case? (laughs) (laughs) Help me. (laughs) I just want to know things. So they are digging him out and it's all gross and it smells bad. Kate volunteers to get the wallet. There's bugs inside. She drops it and pretends that she's scared. (laughs) Um, she's like, what? 
The key is not inside? The key isn't in here. It isn't? No, but that was real good sleight of hand, distracting me with the wallet. Open it. Slytherin. I'm I'm convinced myself that she's a Slytherin, guys. Like I know she's a good person, but this all of this manipulation and stuff, like no, it's, it's yeah a Slytherin. I do feel like she weaves in and out sometimes, but definitely yeah. in this episode yeah. for sure. Yeah, and also she would have been a terrible magician, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> she wouldn't have gone to Hogwarts. <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah. Wouldn't, she wouldn't have even made it in the front door. <laughs> this is Quib. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> Poor Kate. True, but because Jack immediately finds it and then he's mad at her. After that, we have Jack and Sawyer and he's like, do you want to wrestle for it? And he's like, <laughs> no, I super don't. Why don't you just give it to me? Cephalexin. Yeah, go on. That's the antibiotic I've been giving you for the knife wound in your arm. You're right in the middle of the treatment cycle now. If I keep giving you the pills, you're going to be as right as rain. But I'm going to stop giving you the pills. And for two days, you're going to think you're all good. And it's going to start to itch. The day after that, the fever's going to come. And you're going to start seeing red lines running up and down your arm. A day or two after that, you'll beg me to take the case. Just to cut off your arm. And he's like, I think you're bluffing. And he's like, I'm super not. He's such a badass, you guys. I'm sorry. I love I love this scene. I think he's so yeah. cool. He can be like for all that Sawyer has all the swagger and he definitely does. Jack has moments of just extreme swagger that I think are yeah. amazing. Also cuz they don't happen too often. So when they do, you're like, "Oh my you're god." Like, this is kind of one of the scenes where I'm just like, "But what if Jack and Sawyer mm-hmm. We're not alone there. (laughs) Yo, I would watch the hell out of that. (laughs) Joyer, it was called. The good ship Joyer. Oh. Okay. I like those people a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm into that one for sure. But he's like, well, you're going to need the Jaws of Life. Did she tell you what's inside? He's like, no. He's like, well, please let me know. (laughs) Me neither. Figure it out. You're like, we're in the same boat, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little bonding moment for them, right? Because they know that, that, like, whatever, they they both have some kind of connection to Kate. And yeah. Sawyer is, like, trying to suss out, like, <laughs> how far have you got? What base are you? Are you, like, <laughs> knowledge base or yeah. lying base? Case base? <laughs> there's, like, there's some part of Sawyer that's, like, ha, 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 ha. We're both yeah, in I mean, the same place. Yeah, he is a child. I forced her Again. to kiss me. <laughs> At least we did that. Ugh. She keeps coming into my tent while I'm sleeping. <laughs> Does that count? Sawyer, that's not romantic. Stop. <laughs> They're about to open the case, and he's like, do you have any last words? And she's like, no. So they open it, and he finds all the things that she said were going to be in there. And then she has a envelope that says personal effects, then this green envelope, toy airplane. But, like, is that everything? Like, it seems like the personal effects envelope was like a little heavier than what, mm, what mm. like like was that all that she had on her probably well, there might have been other things that so. were like not important to her right um, yeah 
I love this scene. I really yeah. love this scene. Can I can I tell you why? Should I wait? I, I don't want to. Go ahead. No, log it up. No. Okay. So, <laughs> hashtag Jade, Jade Alert. Um, I love this scene because I think that it is such, like, again, we were saying already that, like, this, this episode sort of, we just had Jack's trauma in the last episode. This one we have Kate's, and then we have their, both of their traumas sort of going head-to-head in the scene when she's like, I have this tragic past, and it's mine, and you're not entitled to know it. And he's like, people have lied to me and manipulated me my whole life, and now you're doing it too, and I'm super hurt, and I'm like, going to be mad about it. And I think that what, but what, is, what is kind of beautiful in, in, this, in this scene and, and, and sort of like contrasting to like just wanting because because jack never like he's trying he's pushing her right he's trying to to call get her to call her own bluff because Mm -hmm, he knows she's bluffing she knows that he knows he's bluffing or she's bluffing and he's saying you know if you if if any word if at any point she had said don't open it or i don't want to tell you or there's something there i want then he would have been like fine you know but i think that and and that's obviously she can't do that because it's just knowing that there's something in there she wants is making herself vulnerable and that's what she w- doesn't want to do, right? Yeah. Like it has so much to do with her wanting to keep her, her, herself protected. But I think like wanting something makes you vulnerable and she knows that. But, but so what, what happens when he actually gets to the thing that he knows she wants? He doesn't take it from her and he doesn't open it. He gives it to her and then he, he, he stands up True. and he steps back and he lets mm-hmm. her open it. And then yeah. once she's opened it and he's ob- she obviously knows he's there and then he crouches down and he asks What is it? It's nothing. What is it, Kate? You understand. I want the truth. Just this once. What is it? It belonged to the man I loved. The truth. It belonged to the man I Stop loved. Stop lying to me. Not Tell me the truth. It belonged to the man I killed. But he doesn't actually, like, he's, he wants her to be honest with him, but he doesn't want to take her agency away from her, and he doesn't want, he doesn't want to force her to do anything that she doesn't want to do, you know? And he does give her that space. And then it's obviously when they have an explosion <laughs> afterwards that totally changes the mood of the scene and stuff. But I just, it's just, it's just a really sort of gentle obviously very traumatic like they've both been through through some traumas and it sort of affects their behavior but but the way that he handles it is really admirable i I think and i think she was like surprised too like when he hands her that thing or that the 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 back she's so surprised because she thought that he was gonna open it himself he was gonna open it Mm -hmm. yeah because sawyer would have yeah yeah And, and she thought that she had lost but he doesn't he gives her like he still gives her the 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 choice Mm-hmm. And she's the one because you know obviously <laughs> the plane is out of the briefcase like you know the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> oh, well yeah. done. She well feels done. like it's too late, so she might as well open it at this point, right? Because again, it's not it's not the thing; it's the it's the opening of the thing. But but no, I, I did I just just want to say that I I found that to be very um, very sort of nicely handled of him. Um, one thing that I that did kind of a, an annoy me about this scene though is when he says, "Tell me the truth for once," and I'm like, she literally just told <laughs> yeah. you a story that she said was real last episode, Jack. True. <laughs> just this once, tell me the truth. Ugh. But maybe he's like thinking, maybe he's beginning to think that she never tells the truth. Yeah. You know, that, that everything yeah. she says is a manipulation. And it's like, there's basis for that because of the fool mm-hmm. me once, you know. 
she lied the first time, basically, and after that, now he has to wonder constantly whether or not she's lying. And mm, there's... Yeah. To Jack, I think, because Jack and Kate end up in their own heads a lot, and it takes a lot for them to, like, pull each other out of them, Jack's really looking at, like, you know, when he when he's upset about this, it's very much, you did this to me, and not mm-hmm. thinking about the fact that, like, there's something to Kate that yeah. caused her to do this in the first place, but he, I don't think he's at a place where he's ready to explore that. Mm-hmm. He's he's right in reaction mode right now, which, you know, as annoying as it is sort of when you watch and you're like, ah, it's a really understandable human reaction because we all do it. Yeah. And he does ask. And that's the thing. Like, he, yeah. for him, the, the focus has shifted to, I feel like we were close and that we had this connection and, you know, I can see that you're upset to, I know that you're lying. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that is always, again, a very sort of, because it plays on, on the, and I think if we hadn't had Jack's episode right before this one, and if I hadn't just rewatched it with you guys, like, I might have been more inclined to be, like, frustrated at Jack, but it is also, that's the thing that I feel like Lost does really well, is that it, it, get, it, it allows you to see inside of everyone's heads so that, ideally, with, you know, when, when the writing is, is really good is when you know that the people, they're all acting for a reason. You know, they're mm-hmm. all doing and saying the things that they're doing based on their own personal human experience. And it sort of becomes like, how do they, how do these human experiences clash? And I think it would have been a lot less interesting show if Jack, you know, we had Jack's backstory and then the next episode he was back to just being like two-dimensional this is Kate's story, so I'm gonna like I'm gonna just basically be in service of her story. Whereas he's still he's still in his story, and she's in her story, and Sawyer's in his story, and and like it all sort of causes all of these tensions that I just think is so massively crafted. And the nice thing is that you can take away different interpretations from mm-hmm. their exactly. backstories. Like you can either choose to think of Jack in the whole context of Jack, or you can choose to see like. Jack's reaction and Mm -hmm. judge it that way like and I don't think there's a wrong interpretation there because you know it's totally valid to be like Jack shouldn't feel entitled to that because he was lied to because Kate doesn't owe anyone anything and they're Mm -hmm. not there yet in their relationship but you can totally read it the other way and be like well you know Kate's lied to him a lot and maybe one piece of truth wouldn't have killed her but it doesn't matter Mm mm-hmm but yeah. I would sort of also wonder if that, in terms of him feeling entitled to that, I don't actually think, and again, this is my interpretation, but I don't actually think that he feels entitled because he does no. give her the thing. You yeah, know? no, like, yeah. He's not saying, oh, let's see here what you've been hiding from me. <laughs> like, oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> can I, you I imagine? I, I would, oh, that would like ruin Jack for me. But he doesn't do yeah. that, you know? No, no, but that's like, I think I've seen like that interpretation before where it's like mm, yeah. someone is owed something and it's like, yeah. well... That's not how I see it, but sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kate says that it belonged to the man she loved uh, and also the man that she killed, which mm-hmm. we will talk a lot about in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. But here's something that I wanted freaks. to point out was that <laughs> she she starts to cry and Jack just like closes the case and leaves, which reminds me of what you were saying about Charlie, about how yeah. Jack's thought is like I am not a f- psychologist I can't talk to you about this I'm just gonna leave you alone and that's literally exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and also it's like it's a shocking thing like I know mm-hmm. in this moment like obviously I I think that that Jack does a lot of good in this episode I think that it is it is you know obviously very the fact that he walks away from her is frustrating yeah I agree but I also think that and 
he some part of him at least especially in that later episode when she's sitting on her own with the plane like i think he recognizes that she is still inside of her own head that this is a thing this is a thing like he kind of i also feel like he he feels like he wrestled that truth out of her that she wasn't ready to and he has no idea what to do with that like oh yeah, yeah. i love someone and i killed them like what the f-? you know he's like, <laughs> like well what's just, next for like, me what a yeah. mysterious thing to say i'm going to go now and and there's so many things going on like kate cries and every time kate, kate cries i cry because yep. like i oh my god but also just as a and this is again what we were saying earlier about how like it's different watching as a quote-unquote shipper and as a as a fan of these different like layers and interactions and i think as a shipper obviously i'm like jack what are you doing comfort her but as a as a person who's like really interested in these in these dynamics i'm like oh wow what does this mean like why is he walking away from what's his Mm -hmm. his motivation for walking away from her what would she actually have done if he'd been like oh no are you okay or like you know like how does that how does the dynamic play in what what causes him to react this way and what and what does it mean for because that this is a moment of of trust breaking for them yeah you know Mm -hmm. this is a real change this is a huge change in their relationship and i and i think it had to like like it was true to both of their characters and the development that they've been through at the stage but it also if he had been any less than totally shocked and sort of walked away from her at that moment then I don't think we would have been able to have the kind of story that follows you know exactly because the the great thing about them and the is I think they know each other's boundaries yeah and he knew in that moment that like that was not the place for him like yeah that was some this was something that Kate has to do on her own you know having you on here has turned me into like oh yeah I really love like Jack and Kate and I'm like (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) who am I (laughs) Well, I you know. can love their dynamic while still preferring a different one because I think that it's True. not like as as we were talking about earlier. It's not the sh- the show isn't like it is not actually Survivor who's gonna win. You know, you yeah. know, it's not actually The Bachelor. Like you know, like it's <laughs> it's okay to sort of see like appreciate different dynamics for different reasons. And I think I I also like, now I'm thinking about it more and I'm wondering if maybe like one of the things that Jack was one of the reasons he walked away is because he feels like they have a connection. Like, until this point, he's felt like they had a connection and he's felt like they've reached the point of honesty. He's tried to push her and push her and push her and push her to to see if she won't act... Like, if he's, like, shocked already early in this episode that she's denying him access to her or, like, to her truth in a way that he felt like he had earned you know Mm -hmm. and he obviously has no idea what's going going on in her past and her reasons for like hiding it but i think when they have that argument and when she reveals this to him i think some part of him realizes that he first of all is not prepared to deal with it but also that it's not it's not his to deal with yeah and not just because in a like oh that's not my problem kind of way but in a way that she isn't she doesn't want to share it with him this is not a grief that she wants to share with him. And this is not a grief yeah. that he is welcome to participate in. And the fact that he even wrung it out of her, when he finally gets the truth that he has wanted her to give him all along, he feels like he lost. He doesn't feel like he won. It's a hollow victory. He, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like she, it's, a, it's devastating. And it's devastating for a multitude of reasons. But one of them is because I think that he realizes that whatever like in ter- from his perspective which is what is my relationship to Kate and how close are we and how much can we share with each other on this in this desolate place I think he realizes that that is not that even the truth won't 
like she just still doesn't share it with him, even though she's told him the factual truth and he's seen the actual plane. There's still this huge chasm between them, and I, I, I oh my god, I, I think it's so interesting. It's it's so good. Mm-hmm. This is this is crazy because I've always been a hardcore skate shipper, and the reason why mm-hmm. I started shipping Jate was because Suliette was a thing, and yep. <laughs> so I never never did I think. I was always like, it was either skate or Sulia and like, mm. you know, Jade's mm-hmm. in the background. And so I wanted to thank you. This is so interesting that it's oh, like, yay. okay, now I can actually like be like, oh, okay. So Jade isn't just there because it, that's what is exactly. going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, now I can enjoy Jade. They I have their like. whole separate thing. And, and Sawyer and Kate have their own separate thing mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, they have so much there as well. Like no relationship on the unlost is, is simple, which is what makes it so good. I, you know, if you guys want me back in season two, I've... <laughs> Yes, literally. Uh, basically, you can pick a pick a, a few episodes if you want. We've got a bunch of uh, spots open still. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, sorry, um, I, <laughs> I'm rambling. So now it's time for flashbacks. We have Kate at a bank. Her, Her name best is Maggie look, Ryan. By the way. Right now, what's can that? Agree. Her best look. Oh agreed. my gosh! Completely I was agreed. literally gonna say that. I would like. I've like seen gift sets of this scene, and I'll just like sit and look I at just them. Look at them yep. like. Wow. She looks so pretty in this oh episode, God. in the flashbacks, for sure. They make them so beautiful in Alberta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a compliment to uh, Toother. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Mark Hutton, and he asks for her ID. So, like, apparently she's been Maggie Ryan for a while because she has Maggie Ryan's ID, apparently. She's sneaky. She's looking for a loan, I guess. We know that she's in New Mexico and that she's pretending to be a photographer. And she has apparently been commissioned for a coffee table book of old theaters in small towns. Now they're on like a first name basis. So like this is literally her just being like, look how pretty and innocent I am. Now we're friends. I could never be an evil person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the person terrorizing your bank. The robbers show up. They shoot down the cameras. Then what they want is the manager to open the money cage before someone gets killed. And they have this shot where Kate is looking down onto the floor. And, like, then they just shoot, like, the reflection of her face on the floor. And, like, it's one of my favorite shots. I love that shot. Because she's two-faced. Yeah. Oh, well done. (laughs) Exactly. Mirrors. Symbolism. Yep. So he, they want the key to the money cage vault thing, and love that you can't figure out the word vault. <laughs> money cage. Money cage. The money cage. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Um, Mark's like, you'll kill me anyway, so why does it matter? Then the dude's like, I can take him. I can do it. And Kate's like, this was not the plan, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you not, please? Kate's like, I can't. I don't know how to use a gun, which is like literally the same line that she's used in Pilot Part Two. I don't know how to use a gun. Does anybody know how to use a gun? So that's interesting. Yeah. So they knock out the... First of all, they've knocked out a guard before, like, as they were coming in. And then they knock out Baseball Hat, which is that guy's official, like, Lostpedia page name. Baseball Baseball Hat. (laughs) Do you guys think that counts as a knockout for the knockout count? Or, like, does it have to be, like, on-island main character? I say on-island main character. I think so, too. Yeah, so it's been one day since our last nonsense. Yes. Um... So then they take Kate to the back, and she makes out with this dude. Oh, my God. It's what what one does. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) While they're still in there, he's like, we've been in here for a while. They're they're just thinking terrible things out there. So he, like, hits her and pushes her to the floor. And 
he's going to shoot Kate in three seconds. He's saying, why would you protect a vault that doesn't even belong to you? And I'm not even sure. Do you guys, what does that mean? Because he doesn't actually, he because he runs the bank and none of his actual money's in the bank? Or like, what does that mean? Yeah, like he's just, he's just working there. Like he's just yeah. an employer. Like why won't, like why are you, why do you care if we take money from the big guy? You're a little mm-hmm. guy like us. Right. That's right. actually such a fair robber logic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> True. Like, I, I immediately want to, like, know the insurance situation or, like, the employee, like, handbook. Like, are you responsible yeah. for the money loss? Like, I have so many questions about how this bank works now. <laughs> you know what I think is so stupid, though, is, like, when they come in and start, like, shooting things down and then we cut to him and he's, like, about to reach under the desk and then they're like, oh, don't do-. I'm like, why didn't you do that immediately, Mark? Mm, you took point. too long to press the button. Damn it, Mark. And now what? Mark. He's very sweet, though. I feel so bad for yes. him. Like, in this, he's one of my, like, the people in the show I feel the worst for, to be honest. This yep. is bank manager guy. Yeah. Bless and him. he's so betrayed when he finds I know, out. At least they don't oh. kill him. That would make me know, feel so sad. I know, True. Yeah. That guy has a family, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too dark. But he stops them from killing Kate, and they take him into the back room. They're in the vault. And he's like, please let the girl go. I let you in up. Please let the girl go. Let the girl go? Man, you have no idea, do you? The girl is the one who set you up. The girl picked this bank, picked this vault. This whole thing is the girl's idea. That's weird, right? Oops, huh? so sad. Wink, and wink. Kate doesn't want him to know that and i always no. wondered if that was just because like she didn't want to break his heart or if it was because part of her because obviously like at this point she's so good at lying and she's so good at yeah. being other people and part of that is because she feels like she herself is not worthy or worth anything mm-hmm. as she is and here there was this guy who genuinely even though this is a fake kate it's someone who connected had a human connection with someone who's really nice and who liked her yeah. and wanted yeah. to protect her. And then the robber guy is, is taking that away from her because now mm-hmm. he looks at her like everyone else. Oh. Oh. <sighs> he takes off his mask, which is like a clear sign. Like, you know what that means when the person who's had a mask on takes off its mask. It means that it doesn't matter if you see them because they're going to kill you're, you. You're going right. to die. Yeah. That's why Kate's like, um, sup, what are you doing? That wasn't the plan. But she takes the gun from the other guy and she's like, I will shoot you if you shoot him. Like, I, we promise that nobody gets hurt except for baseball hat, apparently. She's such a good, she's so good. Like, even yeah. she robs a bank and she protects the <laughs> She's bank Robin manager. Hood. She is. She is. Yeah. She absolutely is. Except that she's doing it for her own gain, but still. Yeah. <laughs> she ends up shooting all three of them and the... The safety deposit box that she wants is number 815, mm-hmm. which, of course, it is. There's this moment where he goes, who are you? And I'm like, what is this? Suddenly, this I am is the Dark a Avenger. superhero movie. <laughs> Your worst nightmare. That's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. <laughs> she's like, she has the other key. And he's like, if you had the key, why did you do this? And she's like, because I'm not on the list. No, oh, oh. Sorry. I know, I had that same reaction. I was like, oh. <laughs> He's like, you better kill me, Maggie. And she's like, yeah, right, Maggie. She's like, I'm not even Maggie. Surprise oh. to everyone. Everyone gets surprised today. What an unpleasant day. 
then she opens the thing and she finds the green envelope with the plane in it. That's flashbacks. Thoughts? Why do I not well, have any thoughts on this flashback? I have a, a couple of thoughts that just in general, like, this is obviously, this flashback obviously exists to, to show how good she is at lying and, mm-hmm. like, how much of a habit she's made of it. Because that first opening bank scene, aside from yeah. the fact that she's, like, so stunningly beautiful that you get super distracted, like, yeah. you believe her. Like, I believed her. Because, like, at yeah. this point, like, when you first watch it, you didn't know when this was. You know, this could have been true crime this could have been when she killed someone like you yeah. know so yeah i mean the I only thing it. is that he cu- he says miss ryan is the only like right but like you don't know of kate's her real name in the first place anyway exactly. so you could True. absolutely assume like, this you don't was know her. anything about yeah kate. And, yeah and she she's like this chameleon of identities and i think they they set that up really well and in sort of a way that when you're watching a kate flashback you can never really trust it yeah you know which is mm-hmm. interesting and it's an interesting way to set up a backstory for a character and 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 then obviously it shows the way that she manipulates people, particularly men, to get what she wants. And I think that the way that she's trying to play both Sawyer and Jack, she's not trying to play Sawyer as much as Jack, though, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But he's also a con man, so maybe she's like, well, can't con a con man kind of thing. That's not a spoiler, right? Oh, God. No, I'm so no. all over the place. Okay, good. Um, but but yeah, but but no. So it shows like how she how good she's at lying and manipulating, and how much she uses men for her own advantage. And it shows what kind of lengths that she'll go to for this damn plane. You know, mm-hmm. she's just she's completely like ruthless. Yes, because this is a thing. This is a person. This could be like a, an actual human being in this envelope. You know, taking yeah. her reactions into consideration. But I absolutely love that, like, Kate, as a female character, is allowed to be that absolutely ruthless while also, yes. rema- like, containing a huge, like, well of humanity, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she so does what she has to get done. She doesn't love it, but she'll do mm-hmm. it. And she won't hurt people. Like, she won't hurt innocent people. Yeah, exactly. Right. So she very much is, like, a Robin Hood type in terms of, like, she doesn't, she doesn't do it because she wants to hurt people. She does it because it's what she has to do. Yes, mm-hmm. for whatever messed up reasons that she has, because obviously this is a very, this is completely irrational what she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a completely, like, borderline psychotic in a way that she sets up this entire plan and she's willing to kill people, even though they're bad guys, but still for this, and sets up this, this month-long plan including a fake identity <laughs> and like to get her hands on a little plastic toy plane like it's crazy but obviously it's also one of the reasons why Kate is such a, a tragic character is because she just has this darkness and this trauma that has just completely warped her mm-hmm, and completely mm-hmm. taken over her sense of identity and her priorities and are completely shifted completely yeah. yes complete like she will get, and again you know and you see this in the way that she acts on the on, on the arc Oh my god. On the <laughs> ground. No, on the island. The salmon. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I just, just watched the hundred before this. Um, but you know what? You see this the way that she is willing to just. These people, especially Jack, but also Sawyer, hurt them and trick them and betray them. And she doesn't. She, her, she is so obsessed with this plane. And it's like you can almost see something shift in her eyes it's like it's like in a way like when you have charlie storyline with with are we at the drugs yet yes yeah. he's oh he he we saw that in the pilot yeah yeah no, no, the, the the actual drugs like when he the fact yeah. that he does drugs and that he's he's detoxed by now yeah but like yeah. when drugs are near that becomes his priority like you can almost see yeah. the same in, in kane 
Clark, Kate, <laughs> my brain. Um, when, this is yeah, like a great look that. at my brain all the time. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> my brain all the time, god. It doesn't help that these shows are so damn similar, but... Um, yeah. It, anyway, what I'm trying to say is, the plane is drugs, and Kate is addicted. The end. There you go! <laughs> okay. She did it, guys! And only with like 400 references. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're going to do our favorite line awards. So my favorite line award this episode goes to Michael for... If you pick the lock on a Halliburton, I'll put you on my back and fly us to L.A. What good product placement that you just did, and we're not even getting paid for it. (laughs) Yep. Call us Halliburton. Um, And my favorite line goes to Sawyer and Kate for... Stalking you? I was protecting you. From what? Southern perverts? (laughs) Whatever. And mine... I was actually looking for something from uh, Saeed and, and Shannon's exchange, but I couldn't find anything, so I picked Rose's line. You think you're the only one on this island that's got something to be sad about? Baby, I got sob stories for you, so why don't you grab the other end of this thing and help me? I yeah. like it in the context of what has happened and, and Rose's character, and I think that it's, it's a nice little... We don't get a lot of Rose, definitely not as much as I would have liked, so I mm-hmm. always appreciate what we do get, and I think this line layers in some hints at what's to come for her and obviously says a lot about what kind of person she is and I just I think that it's that's really good sort of compact character uh, definition for Rose mm-hmm. here god we need more Rose um now we have our segments so we have light and dark a few of the light and dark things that I picked out of this episode was the beach is light and maybe like the water or the ocean is dark and it's kind of like creeping up and and you know taking over the beach Mm -hmm. as well as in the jack and sawyer scene they're both wearing plaid shirts but jack's is white and sawyer's is darker Mm. (laughs) i don't know that's just something i picked (laughs) out i don't know i mean costume choices are really deliberate so that wouldn't be surprising and for man of science man of faith i'm just gonna like call out some names and you guys tell me what you think okay okay kate Faith. Jack. Science. Science. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sawyer? Mm. Mischief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he never actually has one. Uh, Rose? Definitely Faith. 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 For sure. Charlie? Faith um, by the end of it. Faith, I guess. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Saeed? Science. 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 Yep. Shannon? Mm. Science? Yeah, I think so yeah. too. And Boone? I don't know. <laughs> there. We Question actually mark, never got mark. a chance to talk about Boone at the end of that storyline. We forgot. Oh my God, so yeah. in the darkness. God, speaking of light and dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Boone is just creepily staring. Already a vampire. <laughs> already a vampire. Yeah. He's like already off this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. That was that was terrifying. And it it's again leak like um layering in all of these unanswered questions we have about these characters and their relationships to each other. Mm-hmm. And it also really makes Boone look like someone who is not 100% happy to see Shannon happy, which yeah, yeah is concerning. Yeah, yeah. Did they do the thing? No, they didn't. They, but did they did not say the it. word case a lot. How many episodes since the last knockout? One. one episode. It has been an episode. No one got knocked out of importance in this episode. <laughs> Except for some red shirts. Yeah. And for listener thoughts, we actually have a clip from Scott, who sent something in, uh, talking about the episode. Hi, Scott! Hi, Scott! <laughs> hey, guys, it's Scott. Uh, just finished watching Whatever the Case May Be, and thought I would uh, call in and 
give you guys my takes on it. Um, the first thing that stands out so, so blatantly is, does no one seem to care that Claire is gone? What is going on? She, they just, she just went missing and no one really seems to think like, hey, we got to go find her. They don't really seem overly concerned about it. The only person that does is Charlie and no one really seems to care that he cares. He just sits there like a lump crying and no one really seemed to care about him the whole episode until Rose finally went over and talked to him and tried to help him out. And that just shows why I liked Rose so much over the whole course of the series. Um, she played the mother hen figure and just just kind of that whole heartwarming figure of the whole series who really never could do anything bad. Uh, the other thing that happened that was super big this episode was the... the Kate and Sawyer finding a briefcase in that pond. All right, really cool at first. All right, what's going on? What's in the briefcase? Kate wants it really bad. Sawyer wants it pretty bad, probably because he thinks there's guns in it, and that's all he ever really seems to care about. But why does Kate want it so bad? So eventually, all right, cool, yeah, we get it open, and all right, what? Oh, what's in the envelope? I remember watching it for the first time. You're like, oh, what is this? It's going to be so cool. And they pull it out, and it's a toy airplane. Oh, wow, cool does anyone really care oh, okay well then kate reveals all right so it used to belong to the guy that i killed oh all right you killed someone all right well that's pretty crappy all right that's what you did all right oh geez all right so jack doesn't seem to trust her anymore and he hates her because she took the key on him and blah 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 so captain jack's got to go and save everything i guess uh the other thing that i picked up on was just the shannon and saeed uh, little situation that was going on with her trying to help him decipher um, the French woman or Rousseau's maps and stuff. So the, my problem with Shannon over the whole the whole series up until well we all know was that she couldn't take anything. So she treated like Boone she treated Boone like crap the whole first season. Treated everyone else like crap. But the moment you said anything to her, she'd get all choked up and pissed off and storm off and it it was just one of the problems with her character not seeing anything bad on maggie grace she did such a good job playing her but it was just one of those reasons like that why i just could never get into her character um but really good episode we, we find out what all right what kate really did and whole oh, right yeah that's pretty big but other than that does no one seem to care that claire is gone or they need to find her um but yeah uh, love the podcast, guys. Can't wait to hear what you think, and uh, have a great day. Thank you so much for sending something in, Scott. If everyone else has any thoughts, go ahead and send those to afficionadospodcast at gmail.com, and we will read them out or play them. <laughs> all right, I'm going to say the spoiler thing, so then we can do our outro, and then we can talk about all the spoilers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dying right now. <laughs> Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We covered all of season four and we'll be covering season five next year. And if you're a fan of Riverdale, we uh, covered season one. We will be covering season two because October 1st is coming up like uncomfortably fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. We will get back to you probably, probably on Twitter. It's probably the best. And our email is aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you have anything to contribute, um, we would love you forever and always and uh, ever. Yeah.
Yeah, it's literally like $1 is the minimum. Yep. So, I mean, if you got a dollar a month, that would be the bomb. Yeah. Life-changing. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Selena, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thanks Woo! for having me again. Yeah. This was so much fun. Yay. And change Tell your us where lives. we can find you on the internet. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Selena Wilkin. I tweet a lot. You may or may not have noticed. <laughs> and you can find me on Hypable, which is H-Y-P-A-B-L-E dot com. And we also do our own general entertainment news podcast called Hype. And uh, I make sure to talk about The 100 pretty much every week. So if that's what you're here for, then... Maybe check that out because, uh, yeah, my poor co-host Pam is uh, forced to watch it as well, so you can talk about it. <laughs> I love that, like, the people around us slowly all have to watch The 100 in order like, to be able yeah, to communicate with us. If they want to get us. to know us, yeah. <laughs> then yes. Oh. Join us next week for episode 113, Hearts and Minds, with Robin's IRL BFF, Pharaoh Amnesty. Pharaoh. Yeah. Pharaoh. Pharaoh with She's the great name. very excited to come talk yeah okay 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 love you love bye. you bye <laughs> love you bye. bye spoilers spoilers gonna talk spoilers and now sarah sings her spoiler song yes spoilers <laughs> spoilers gonna talk spoilers welcome to the spoiler section i'm gonna give a little bit extra time for people to leave really quickly <laughs> before i go straight into the thing that i totally forgot about last episode that i then remembered oh my god you actually remembered it Absolutely, I did. So last episode, I was having an issue because we were going to talk about Ethan and I couldn't, I had written it down and I could not remember what it was. So here I am telling you what the thing was. We (laughs) were talking about how if Jack had imagined Ethan and everything, and if this was actually a real thing, Ethan would have just killed Jack. Mm -hmm. And I had a thought that was just like, no, he wouldn't. And the reason was because Ethan knew because Ben told him that Jack was a spinal surgeon and so had to stay alive to operate on Ben's oh, cancer. Oh, duh. Of course. <laughs> yes. I'm I love that all, all roads lead back to Ben. Yes, literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm sure they had absolutely no idea why, like, Ethan didn't kill him at the time. But I yeah. love that the, the way they stitched Ben into the show Mm-hmm. really ties everything up in a nice little bow. Yeah, agreed. Yes. Ben X Machina, pretty much. Um, I'm going to go through and find the numbers that I found in this episode. Um, Shannon tells Boone that he's been gone with Locke for the past four days. Oh. It, 815 is the number of the safety deposit box. Those are the two that I found. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Was that one of like the really first deliberate plantings of the numbers? I think I think so, and I think that definitely the flight number, which I think we learned in Raised by Another. Yeah. Just, yeah. But also, like, $23,000 as Kate's ransom mm-hmm. for Kate. I, I, I definitely think that they knew the numbers from the beginning. Okay. And that they had been sprinkling them in. And if they didn't, then what a coincidence that Rousseau <laughs> was there for 16 years. <laughs> they had to have um, known. I think they knew. Yeah, I think this yeah. was one of the, the building blocks, yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of the notes that I have here that I've just put beside some other notes. So hopefully, like, I read it and I go, oh, yes, I remember what I was going to talk about. But sometimes I don't, as we can tell. <laughs> Said, oh, the tide is rising too fast. So this is the 
first, I believe, indication of how time kind of doesn't really work the same way on the island. Um, like in season four, when they think that it should have taken 20 minutes for Saeed and Desmond and Lapidus to get to the freighter, and then it takes them like hours to get there and stuff. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, guys, we figured out the mystery of why Kate doesn't have as much body hair. <laughs> the, that's it everything grows very uh, but also like then boone and charlie and sawyer all need haircuts at some point listen maybe well, there's different island. rules for different people maybe the island okay, okay i the island and jacob they're real bros and they were like hey mm-hmm. women shouldn't have to worry about shaving their pits or their legs so uh <laughs> for them time passes real slowly well, well, for their bodies, for their hair follicles. This was a reach, okay, I think. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think so too. And I feel like if that was actually true, we'd be like, um, how sexist is that, Jacob? Well, yeah, but then maybe they did were just super sexist, and that's really the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like explains Jacob a lot. Just, like the inherent idea of the list and the numbers and who gets yeah. ruled out is sexist. It's totally. entirely. <laughs> yeah. So it's like Jacob was just kind of a sexist dude in the first place. Yep. Sawyer tells Michael to find a runway, and in reality, they're actually building a runway uh, on the other island. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, so that's a thing. Um, sidebar, though, how much... Did anyone watch Claire's live tweet when she discovered there was another island? Yeah, no, and she did not believe that. it. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> funny. She was sitting there like, wait, there's another <laughs> island? What? And then it was just like not believing it for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I know, and then she was like, wait, there is actually another island. <laughs> she went from denial to acceptance, like, real fast. Yeah. Another thing that I have is that we were talking about how Rose isn't a psychiatrist, and neither is Jack, and so mm-hmm. no one can really help Charlie. And on the other side of the island with the Tailies, we know that Libby actually is mm-hmm. a psychiatrist. Yeah, that would be interesting if she'd been around. Someone like, in general, and that's the thing about these kinds of shows in general that is so interesting, right, is that we always, when we talk about them, we're like, you know, they need, like, someone need, they need professional help, but these shows are sort of positioning that this is a non-normal where there isn't the opportunity for that. So I think also sometimes when we look at people like, people like Rose who say, you know, like, get up and keep going, like, that's not something mm-hmm. you would say to someone in the real world, but it's also yeah. very much not the real world. But I do wonder, this is one of the reasons why I would have loved for Libby to have stuck around Mm-hmm. longer yep. than she did because I do feel like she could have provided an interesting not that everyone should have like gone to her for like sit down with Libby like how's your week been but just in yeah. some cases she might have been able to offer some like alternative like way of just talking with people and stuff mm-hmm. Rose says that she has stopped sob stories and we know, we know that she, she certainly does because Rose had cancer before coming to the island and you know and what is so interesting about Rose's entire behavior in this episode i don't know if this if this was a point uh you wanted to talk about too but is mm-hmm. that if we we've seen so far in season one that you know Locke has this happiness and this zen mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. on this island because he feels a connection to it and we know that so does rose yeah, you know yes. that she's one of the cho- quote-unquote chosen at least initially by the island that has done something that has integrated with them and giving them healed them and made them feel some kind of safety and so I think that's it it also puts a really interesting twist on the confidence that she has that Bernard is out there and that she'll see him again I mean I'm sure it 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 does obviously she has faith and that is also really important but she also probably does know 
Like mm-hmm. in, she yeah. probably has the same way that that Locke knows it's going to rain in exactly one minute. Rose probably does know that Bernard is is so and so far away from her, and is very much alive. You know, in in mm-hmm. this like maybe not as maybe she's not as like I- interestingly she does say that thing about denial and faith. Like maybe she is more willing to believe that it is her faith that is telling her. Mm-hmm. But I think there is proof that it uh, is actually the island that's telling her. Yeah, yeah, which I, I would is, believe that. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to also talk a little bit more about Nadia, mm-hmm. and I, the the thoughts that I have is kind of like he was leaving, like he was on the plane to go see Nadia. Yeah, and then he comes down and he is with Shannon, and when he gets back after season four or the end of season four, she finds him again, and they end up, I think, potentially getting married until she dies. Mm-hmm. I think they get married. I can't remember. Or maybe they if were they going did. to get married. Yeah, I can't remember. I think they did get married. I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like but, yeah, they did because they people yeah. were at their wedding. Yeah, it was a thing. Hurley, right? No, am I? Did that happen? <laughs> their Selena, wedding. You've been reading a yeah. lot of. Didn't fanfic. they get married and then Hurley was there and Jack was not there? I'm looking. Claire up. was there. Ch- no, what's her face? Kate was there. No. <laughs> Maybe there they just a, had a party. There was a, a Hurley had a surprise birthday party. Oh, that's what it was. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> my God. I was like, yeah, okay. So you've been reading way too much fan fiction lately. <laughs> uh, I'm not actually 100% sure if they did actually get married. And I, no. can, I can check in a second there. But they were but in the love thing is anyway. that ultimately in the flash sideways, Saeed's with Shannon. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Which uh, How do you guys not feel mad about at this. What, how do you fall in uh, on this quote unquote love triangle? Mm. Um... Um, I never really thought about like I'm not mad at the fact that he wound up with Shannon. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it says hus- it says husband. Okay, for okay. Saeed so they and did. Nadia. Yeah, I guess I've never actually really put a whole lot of thought into it. Honestly, I oh. think more about the other love triangle <laughs> than I think about this one, especially because Nadia and Shannon don't even know about each other. Mm-hmm. But it kind of you- diminishes Nadia. Well, true. Does it though? And that, this is what, why I wanted to ask because I actually, I really, really like this whole thing. And it's it's weird because in a way, like I always feel bad. Like when I'm like, oh, Shannon and Saeed, I'm like, but Nadia though. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have that's that my feeling. Thought. But but I but I also think that in a way, what it it sort of is. First of all, Saeed like obviously was not expecting to fall for Shannon, you know, mm-hmm. like in this way that he did. And I think it kind of took him by surprise how how much he felt for her but i oh and and oh my god another finn clark yeah. raven oh parallel my god. oh my god if if nadia had come to the island but 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 what i what i do like about it is that i i like the idea that there is more than one like quote-unquote true love in your life mm-hmm. and there's more than one type of true love in your life because i think that this is something that tv especially does a lot and you see it even with the Kate and Sawyer, Jack thing. Like the idea is that she like it had to be one or the other. So when she was like going back and forth between them, people were like, "Oh my god, just pick one." And obviously yeah. the situation was slightly different. But what I like about Saeed and and Nadia and Shannon, and actually this is even better because he ends up with Shannon, is that there was a a love of his life off island and on island. Right. There was a love of yep. his life that it, like they were two separate lives, right? And there was a, a, huh. a love of his life that represented his. Like one part of who he was and one that represented another part of who he was. It's something, you know, we're talking about this. Not that I want to go into this because it's always a dangerous debate to go into, but we're talking about with with um, Clark and Lexa and whether there can be 
another love of her life and whether that sort of quote-unquote invalidates Lexa whereas I, I don't I don't like that idea because I, I think that love is love and I think that like it you can't sort of there can be more than one love you know what I mean and I think that in yeah. Lost the thing that bothered me about the the skate jate triangle is that I always felt like Kate had love for both and mm-hmm. saying that you like preferred one didn't invalidate her love for the other and and I don't know I always think of the Sha- the Saeed Shannon Nadia thing is one where I think they really managed to be true to both love stories at the same time yeah and to make them both feel real but also very separate and he was never put in the situation like Finn was when he had to like choose (laughs) and that might have like changed my opinion on it but I feel like the way they did it they made a really effort to show that there's more than one true love of a person's life and that's that's what life is and it that love also comes at different periods in your life yeah you know like different ages and different times and you're Mm -hmm. different people at different parts in your life like that's like the Clark and Lexa thing, like, you know, like, at the end of the day, Clark was, like, 18 years old. Yeah. Um, and, like, and I shipped Lexa, like, important. the most for Clark. Yeah. So, like, but I recognize, like, she was 18 years old. Right. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be other people that she'll love in her life. It just, like, with Saeed, there will be other people that he loves that aren't Nadia, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The Nadia thing is huge and all-encompassing and beautiful and soulful and wonderful, but that doesn't mean that when he meets Shannon and forms a connection to her that that can't also be real. Exactly. In a different way. So the fact yeah. that she, he ends up with Shannon, I think, you know, in on the one hand, it's a really convenient way to get Shannon into the finale. <laughs> on one yeah. hand, yes. <laughs> yeah. But on the other... Because she I, wasn't in LAX for some reason. Yeah. But, you know, in another, I think it's it's a it's a nice way to demonstrate that people are capable of loving more than one person, which for some yes. reason is a really hard concept for people to grasp. For television mm. as well. Yeah. <laughs> in general, the way that I they tell stories. Like look at like any love triangle in television, like Elena and Stefan and Damon. It was all about like, oh, who's she going to ultimately end up with? And the show was like, no, no, she loves both. It's fine. And the, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't, you, you never really felt the authenticity of that because everyone knew that it was about who she was going to ultimately end up with, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, whereas on, honestly, like if a good love triangle is probably Kara and Lee and Sam from yeah, Battlestar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, where like you feel the entire time that Kara loves both of them just in very <laughs> different ways. And like one is a more tumultuous relationship. One is a more mature, but somehow like rocky relationship. And like, both of them are equally valid and you can walk away from the end of the show Mm -hmm. and have an interpretation of both relationships and she has had both relationships but it was never about the triangle it was always just about Kara yeah yeah exactly it was Mm -hmm. like the slightly better version of the Kate Sawyer Jack one because it kept Kara in the center of it yeah yeah exactly right one of the other ones that I had was that uh Jack says that Sawyer's arm will be infected and he'll want him to cut off his arm and he ends up like nearly doing that to Boone later this season uh, except with his leg (laughs) true as well as Sawyer says she lied brother and that reminded me of Desmond (laughs) they're really laying in the groundwork here there's the hatches there's his lingo there's his numbers Mm -hmm. yep he's coming Tell about Desmond. Kate says that it was the man she loved and the man she killed. Of course, this is a red herring because this isn't like she she was the reason that he died. This is Tom Brennan from Born to Run. But that's not like what her big 
crime was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was always a little bit disappointed by this, to be honest. Yeah, same. I felt like they misled us. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I definitely feel feel misled. This is definitely yeah. one of those times where I think they didn't know what Kate's secret was, other than maybe she killed someone she loved. Yeah, right. and so they're like, oh, man, now we gotta have her kill somebody she loves. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I, I often wonder if, like, they didn't go down that route because they thought it would make Kate irredeemable, which I think is a mm. shame, because I think you can pull a female character back from that with yeah. skill. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think they were prepared to do it. Lastly, I have a note beside Finding Nemo, because I think <laughs> Brittany said that there were more Finding Nemo stories in the... No, that there. was me. That was Selena, maybe? What? You said there was another Finding Nemo parallel for later? Oh, yeah, yeah, Michael. And oh, true. oh, my Whoa! God! Oh, yeah, that's, like, a big one. <laughs> like, the most obvious one. <laughs> Have you seen my son? That boy! His name is... His wacko, or... <laughs> he touched I don't know butt. what his name is. <laughs> like, if literally. Michael is Marlin and Walt is Nemo, Nemo. who is Dory? Literally. Oh, oh, my God, who hmm. is Dory? Hmm. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's Rousseau? the dentist. I don't know. No, you know who Ben is? Ben is that evil little girl with the braces. Darla. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think there is a Dory in this story, especially because Michael just goes goes it alone the whole time. Right, exactly. I was gonna say who does he even interact with? Oh. Juliet? Sawyer, like who who the of. hell does he Sawyer? Yeah, I don't know. Sawyer and Jin are also on the raft, but Yeah, true. That's a real failure of Michael's story actually, so they didn't give him storylines with other characters. Yeah. Yep. Charlie is is uh, talking about like his near death experience, and he's it's oh, yeah. to our discussion last week, and he says maybe, maybe I should have died. died. Yeah. Ooh, oh my god. <laughs> maybe you should have, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Why didn't the island do that, Charlie? It's Ooh. it's interesting because you do wonder, and again with the fate thing, and with the um, what are the island's plans for these people, and him wondering maybe I should have died, sort of makes us wonder. Should he have? Like, yeah, was he yeah. again? The question was he brought back by the island, or was he brought back against the island's wishes? Right. You know. Oh mm-hmm. my god. I feel like Jacob. Now that I'm like, now that we're talking about this, like, did Jacob even have a plan for Charlie, or did he just kind of was want to see like what would happen? Let me see if Charlie's name was on the lighthouse wheel, or mm. in the lighthouse thing. Let's it probably even, was. It it must have been. I'm almost certain it is, but let me check. Pace. I always felt like Charlie was like a pawn in, in either Jack or, or Desmond's story. Yeah, he definitely oh, was. I didn't want Lighthouse the episode. I wanted the Lighthouse. No? <laughs> Robin's having a small crisis because she can't find something lost related immediately. Should it be on the list? Locke, Reyes, blah, 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 blah. Gerard, Rousseau, Shepard. No. Rutherford, Shannon was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't on the list because on his Lostpedia page, the only mention of a list one. is his list. Oh, yeah, his greatest hits. Well, maybe... Stanhope. was Goodwin okay, I, I was might on the be list. misremembering... Oh, no, he's, is he's he? in it. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's one know. of Jacob's candidates. Okay. Faraday, Charlotte, Rudzinski, Tom Friendly, <laughs> Ben Linus, Michael Dawson. What? I don't see him on the lighthouse list. Oh, maybe that's just... I don't it's know. On the, it's on the cave. Was. Cave. Yeah. The heckin' cave wall. Tell me So more. anyway, yeah. So he was on the list. <laughs> yep. 195, Pace. Oh, wow, buddy. So he was far <laughs> down. Yeah. He barely made the list. Aww. <laughs> but that explains, then, why he didn't die. 
Yeah. Though I guess it doesn't really explain Shannon. Claire was really far down the list, too. She was, like, 300-something. 313. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't interesting for people anymore. So let's finish this up. Okay. Uh, Selena, thank you so much for coming back on the episode. Thank you for having Yay. me and putting up with my stupid Jade. <laughs> no, no, I loved it. Genuinely loved it. Let me know which episodes you're super into on season two, and I'll try and find one that's free for you. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R O B Y N E J E F F R E Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Britannia, B R I T T A N I A, with an underscore at the end. And Selena, you want to talk about yours one more time? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Selena Wilkin which is S-E-L-I-N-A-W-I-L-K-E-N. And you can find me on Hypable, which is H-Y-P-A-B-L-E dot com. And you can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. We now have our logo available on Redbubble if you want to buy a sticker or something. That's pretty chill. <laughs> I'm going to buy a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. You have a nice looking logo, so Thank that's you. a good incentive. Thank you. <laughs> Um, you can donate to us on Patreon. Um, all of the money goes to, like, hosting our SoundCloud yeah. because SoundCloud charges a ton of money if you upload a lot of content a month. So that's where all our money goes. In case anyone was wondering, we need yeah. the money for SoundCloud. <laughs> okay, love you, bye. I love you, bye. Love you, bye. I feel like I can say that now because, you, you know, two-time <laughs> yeah. guests. I feel... A kinship with the listeners anyway yeah. <laughs> okay. you're one of them one of us yes, yes one of us one of us nice. one of us nice. one of us is a all right goodbye <laughs> sorry bye <laughs> good luck <laughs>